Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Chloe Williams, the R&B singer with the big ding-a-ling. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Out of um, all the ones, I thought I was going to have like, a huge joint. I thought I was going to just like be completely blitzed or drunk. But no, I have a, just a, I, I'm just hung. All right. I, I can deal with that. Let's think about the cast for a moment. I'll give you... Two guesses. Who has that line? Oh, wait, are you serious? <laughs> no, 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 no. We we watched the but, movie. Oh, yeah, oh, right. oh, I get it. You're being you're being clearly. It's okay. clearly. I'm sorry. You're being rhetorical. I I apologize. Yeah. I'm it's stupid. Isla Fisher. That's I'm, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Boy, I wonder. I wonder how many people on this planet have kissed both Sasha Baron Cohen, Matthew McConaughey, and Snoop Dogg. Mm. She has to be the only one, right? There's no other person who's done all three, who has kissed all three of those men. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, you could say that about a lot of combos of actors. So is that the, True. is that, is that the coolest combo of actors you could, it's something or yeah, it's for like something. Screen, coolest, uh, uh, weirdest, uh, most concerning. I don't know, but it's in something. Yeah. Or like most variety of personality. Yeah. I just, I guess, I guess my thing is the I just can't. Biggest dick. I, I, right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I just can't imagine many people kissing Sasha Baron Cohen and Snoop Dogg. I think that's the thing. Matthew McConaughey is kind of irrelevant in this scenario. It's just, mm-hmm. those are two, I can't stress this enough, different people. Yes. In many ways. <laughs> On screen, off screen, like characters in which she, yes, yeah, yeah, it's, but, uh, but then like you, I remember seeing this for the first time and thinking like, oh, well, that, that's like the core of the movie, you know, is like Those three. The, um, the, uh, the core of the movie is the three, but then specifically it's, um, Moondog and Minnie, but then like, you know, what is it like half hour in, like sh- sooner? It's like, oh, and it looks like it's, it's not going to be, but then, you know, it turns into a different shape altogether. You want to hear, you want to hear the best joke I've ever heard about Snoop Dogg? Mm-hmm. He looks like Shaquille O'Neal's skeleton. What do we, Just... I guess I was thinking about him and like, he's, he's pretty good in this. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's so funny that he doesn't play himself, like literally. I, I've always found that weird. And that's, it's hysterical. But especially like the number one hit, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was like a Snoop Dogg song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But um it, it's it, his name is like lingerie, lingerie, I think. Lingerie. Lingerie, yeah, yeah, that's great. And and Snoop Dogg has bribed Jamaican officials before, hasn't he? In real Absol- life. You at that has to have happened. That has to have happened. Um <laughs> there's no there that's just mm-hmm. And Jimmy, it's like saying Jimmy Buffett has worn a Hawaiian shirt before. It's like what, you know, one goes in, it's one in the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's basically playing themselves in this movie. Yeah. Well, Jonah but Hill, it especially. It oh just, he's, he's amazing. It doesn't, I, I like really love him this time around. It's just, yeah, it's, it's authentic. The whole thing is so honest and sensitive, which is part of the magic of this portrait. Um, but before we get into the beach bum, which we are recording live in Key West, Florida, in uh, oh, Margaritaville, 
But before oh, we do that, let's. I hate Florida. We, we have the, the humidity in our hair. We got some cigars going, right, guys? There's uh, no other place I've gotten off a plane and felt instantly damp. There's yes, no other place. There is a bucket of sweat that's on you. Literally, you, take right, the right foot, as you. The, you yeah. Two steps off that plane, you're like, yes. my underwear is drenched. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But somehow we got you down here to record the beach bum. But before we do that, Let's get into what we've been watching recently. Uh, Dom, this is when we uh, talk about where we've been watching recently. And with us here for the Beach Mom, it's Dom Nicola. Hello. Hi. I, I, sorry, hey. I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to start. No, yes, <laughs> please, oh, please, to, please interrupt us. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we can leave if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If whoever, whoever has something top of mind can, can go first. I've watched Jack uh, shit. <laughs> but if like Clay is, is I've is just watched loss. nothing. NBA playoffs. That's all I got. Yeah. I got. I'm. I'm. You know, about to start a new volunteering gig. I'm working. I'm working a job. I'm doing school. I ain't got no time for some feature films. Um, mm. But I think have we talked about Barry? Did we record? No, I don't think so. No, no. So Barry. Oh. Barry. Barry. Yes. That son of a gun, that... Barry Berkman. Man, um, I, I haven't yeah, watched. I don't the know yet. Mm. Yeah, it's you know, it's only first two episodes. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. At some point, I feel like those are I, with those HBO shows. It's like, what else is there to say? Everyone yeah. said a million yeah. different yes. things. About yes, them. Mm-hmm. absolutely. They have captured the hearts and minds of Twitter, film Twitter, the casual Joe Schmo, and everyone in between. It's just. There's nothing else to say. It's good. I like it. Move on. If there's uh, anything else to say, you know, uh, a hater, open invite to uh, exiting, you know, and just it, whenever you'd like could drop into, if we were in the middle of a, of a recording session, drop in, you know, but hater, your door's open. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that Bill Hader guy that he he should maybe direct a movie. Have you heard this? <laughs> Have you heard maybe he should direct a movie? Have you heard this? <laughs> Please elaborate. I haven't. This is an interesting take that hasn't been. Explored. This guy, he's got, he's got, he's got quite the yeah. eye. Ever. He's got chops. Uh, he's got craft. Is this, <laughs> yeah. What I'm, what I'm getting. Does he um, know movies? Does he know a lot about movies? Uh, yeah. Right. He knows yeah, like know. things about film. <laughs> it seems like that. <laughs> Does he have influences? Takes, takes some visual inspiration. <laughs> is he like some kind of nerd or something? Mm-hmm. Doesn't he like just know shit? I don't know. That's what that's what I've been hearing. I don't know. He's he's. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Barry's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you're, no, I think you're, I'm trying to like. No, there's nothing else. And I'm like, no. It's yeah, like it's talking about succession great. or yeah, whatever. No, at, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, there's nothing new or interesting to say. It. Those two are probably going to go down as like some of the all-time greats. I'm like, like up there with like highly regarded Um it's crazy how yeah, HBO sure is. is like, guess what? I'm about to do a, a fucking a sports phrase again. HBO is like the 1960s Boston Celtics, where it's just like, there's just no other team. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. them. They win. They, you know, Bill Russell wins fucking 11 championships or whatever. Like, it's just, that's, it's HBO. There's no one even close. It's not even a yeah. fucking topic to like be like, hmm, I don't know. It's HBO. There's who's even and what's even kind of close. Yeah, it's like not even the other streamers like that None are of them. circling them. Yeah, it's like 
Showtime, that, Stars, uh, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Netflix seemed dominant for a while in the 2010s, but but that's but it's like yeah, when you but it's like if you that. shoot a hundred field goals, you're gonna make at least 20. Right. <laughs> like right, right, right. You're still shooting 20% from the field. Yeah. HBO's reign is never gonna end, though. It feels like they once once they had like what sopranos, uh right. that would just never end, you know, that they mm-hmm. they've pretty much had some sort of special hit on their hands since then you know it just feels like um as soon as we were done like what was what was going on right before uh the last of us is probably something i mean i don't know white lotus the white lotus exactly Mm -hmm. if you know as soon as we were done uh obsessing about the white lotus then then the last of us came along Mm -hmm. and it, it it felt like there was no it felt like it was just accepted we all just agreed Here's this yeah. next. I mean, I haven't watched The Last of Us. I don't know if it's any good, but neither have I. Yeah, I've um, seen most of it. I haven't seen like the last three episodes, or whatever. Um, it's good. Do you guys? Do you guys remember The Undoing? That show uh, from the Undoing. Yeah, the it was like Is in, that the in lockdown. Club? It's it, it's it's no. this show with uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah, that thing was torched, wasn't it? Well. It was a mini. It was a mini series. They can't. It can't be uh, torch. But no, I mean like torch. I mean yeah. like it was critically. Oh, 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 oh! I think it meant canceled. Oh, um, <laughs> but it. I don't know about that. But I. But what I do know is like it was mediocre. Like everyone was sort of like a shrug six out of ten kind of deal. But it was also really um, successful. It was really. That was yeah. That's that's sort of like mm-hmm. my thought was like even something as mid as the undoing where it's like i mean sure maybe like lockdown played a factor into it but also it's like oh wait that's my sunday night and it has movie Mm -hmm. stars and it's well made um one of clay's favorite filmmakers suzanne beer uh made made that show but um no i just yeah that's (laughs) i feel that can i be on the record real quick i make a lot of fun of i already forgot what that movie is called uh on both sides of the no uh what is it in a better Parody world in a better world i almost said on both sides of the world in a better world susan beer susan beer i have no no beef no slander no, i'm no, just no i'm we're all good i just that movie doesn't exist and whatever <laughs> let's just move on i, I you know that's that a new you, thing i rag on that movie so much even though it's not even that bad no i do i do think that it has to like achieve a level of non-existence for you to say like this isn't personal <laughs> for you to it, like that's the thing <laughs> it's well, just, it's for some it, context if i can say some context like mm. a few months ago we covered the best international feature oscar winners of okay. the decade and the first one in 2010 is suzanne beer's movie in a better world which it beat out to like beautiful dog tooth in sandy like it's some big splashy uh-huh. auteur winners but this one was like you know shepherded by uh, Sony Classics and really like campaigned hard, uh, ended up winning the Oscar. We were both. Have you like, heard of that movie? Eh? Anyway, uh, it's like, it's like, no, kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's, maybe if that's I saw a picture, like, it, it has poster, like, maybe. yeah. The po- no, the poster doesn't even help because it's nothing. It's a nothing poster. It's who's in? Is there anybody in that movie? Just some bunch of fucking Danish people. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> I think there that, might that, be a few actors. I mean, I know the Thomas Vinterberg, Thomas Vinterberg yeah. movies, but. Yeah. Um, I the only guys I recognized was the dude from Sex Education who was uh fucking Gillian Anderson 
and the other dude who was in Banshee, that cinema, that uh, cin- or, uh, was it Cinemax show. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. No one else. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. You got me. You're right. As far as I'm concerned, that thing doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 It just I'm on your point, side. But um, anyhow, <laughs> but that's that. that's another example of like if the undoing can do close to Last of Us, uh, White Lotus, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but it felt like a big deal, even though it was kind of- No, like, it was, I mean, it was on Twitter, like all, and yeah, I guess, yeah. and who knows, maybe that's not a thing to measure anything by, but I also, I'm pretty sure like, see if I go to, like, if I go see my <laughs> uncle, he's gonna be like, oh yeah, you see the undoing or some shit like that. Like it's all <laughs> HBO shit or whatever. Yeah. Because everyone, it, it's just, even their deep cuts are like, they had- one of my favorite things um we own this city uh was yeah. it last year and i don't know five people watched it and it was so amazing like i don't know the mm-hmm. uh, fucking leftovers was a show that wasn't really well like wasn't seen by that many people one of the greatest things ever made mm-hmm. uh six feet under i hear is great but that's also like a classic hbo show that is just like part of television history right oz, oz was oz, oz. before sopranos you know what? It, it might have been during. It might have been before. It might have started before. So yeah, I mean, like, I remember when Oz came on. It was, you know, it was like that's that's the TV that's the TV channel for grownups. There's right. There's, there's movies, but there's also like grown up TV there. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's fucking teenagers standing. That's like it. Yeah. Like now, it's like literally, it's all age groups. Every like mm. it it all it's a pure like. Because now you have Game of Thrones and Euphoria and shit like Succession on the same channel. Right. And the same night sometimes. Right. Yeah. Sunday nights. Sunday nights, baby. What I'm saying is, Zasloff, please pay me money. I'm promoting. I'm just, I'm doing great. I'm, mm-hmm. is he still, is He's got Zasloff a lot of money still? to go around, right? I yeah, know. Just give me money. I'm doing a, such a great job, like, of promoting <laughs> your network. I should be paid. Like, yeah. I don't know. Would you I refuse to call it Max? Max. Uh, no, I, I, if they pay it's me enough Max money, now. I'll call, I'll call it, uh, I'll call I'll it, call it whatever you want. Whatever I'll call it MX. Yeah. M-Dog. Whatever you want, baby, I'll call it that. Come on, Zaz. Oh, tell me whatever you want, Zaz. <laughs> whatever you like. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting flux right now. Definitely. Like, I'm, I don't know. It's, they're, they're dominant. Like, it'll be, even more dominant come like Emmy time, whatever that. The mayor looks of like. East Town win an Emmy. But, I think it yeah, won for some... Evan Peters, right? So it's like, it, yeah, or, or it's, watched... I maybe can. Am I confusing Golden Globes? Whatever, it won a Doesn't lot of matter. things. Like, yeah. but it's like, do, do That's we? A great is that even? Is that even in the collective consciousness anymore? But at the time, it was still like, hey, have you watched Mayor mm. of East Town? Yeah, there's it like memes of Mayor of East Town. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Ne- like, no, not still, but that's my point. Oh. It's like oh, it yeah. was it, it it flashes in the pan and then yeah. they, yes. then their next thing takes over the conversation. It's like they mm-hmm. they're the flagship mm-hmm. of anything going on in television. Yeah. And never minding yeah. there are things that take up so much of uh Sunday nights, but then the the comedies and dramas that that are even like lesser tier fan base like uh like the other two or like black lady sketch show like i feel like those have some kind of relevance that even though they're not ever on on top of everyone's minds it's still like 
someone is watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't make a lot of shows that are so. non-entities, it feels like. Um, and obviously this isn't going to happen anymore, but like they've been so non-reliant on IP. I mean, besides like Game of Thrones, Last of Us, obviously now, and then Penguin or whatever, but like they make oh, yeah, the Penguin. White Lotus a con- like a conversation. Yeah. They make, uh, yeah, Mayor of Easttown a conversation. They make, it's like, yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. Now, I, I have no idea if it's going to continue with whatever is going on at Warner's or whatever. Um, and I'm, it's crazy how this came up because we are talking about Beach Bum, which is directed by Harmony Corinne. Uh, sure but is. we're <laughs> doing also recent, we're doing recent watch, watches. So I've already, yeah. okay. So uh, <laughs> who else has seen something recently? Yes. Um, for myself, I, I saw Pretty Woman for the first time, oh, uh, which oh, wow. was really, that was really cool. Uh, I really liked it. Um, our past and future guest, Kevin Tudor, our dear friend, made this great list of romantic comedies that are wide release, ranging from uh, When Harry Met Sally to the present. Pretty Woman was on there and a part of Karina Longworth's uh, erotic 90s podcast series that she's doing, which is great uh reminded me that oh like yeah that's an important movie and it's really good it really holds up well um feels like kind of a classic screwball dealing with similar ideas of like gender and class and wealth but still like remaining uh these two performances that uh have great chemistry uh gear and um uh, Roberts are just like so funny and truthful and honest, but uh, yeah, I, I like the movie. I didn't really know what it was about either. I was like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh wait, no, I knew what it was about because uh, Karina Longworth talked about it, but um, I think I forgot what it was about after she talked about it. Anyhow, it's really, really good. Do, do I need to say it's good or is that like, like the sky is blue, obvious? <laughs> I haven't seen it in a really long time. Uh, I feel it, but I feel like, you know, and I probably saw it at a much too young age uh, and just probably just like ambiently absorbed it somehow. Um, I remember it being very good and everyone really loved it. And uh, I feel like that has not changed. Like that opinion hasn't changed. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. Like it doesn't have like, like, oh no, beware of this thing that feels dated about it. Like it's just well-written like well-made it's gary marshall like he knows that kind of vibe um and julia roberts is just the yeah. most charming human ever oh yeah at absolutely. that time especially um I, apparently that's like one of her breakout roles or or close mm-hmm. soon to be like, <laughs> apparently yeah apparently that was kind of a big that, thing that, yeah apparently <laughs> that was that was like something that was you know you know you're electric off the screen but uh yeah, no, it's it's really cool. It's like have her and Sandy ever done a movie together? Have her and Sandy ever done a movie together? Let's ask Google. I don't know. Sandy B. Yeah. Good old Sandra. The one and only. I just saw Oceans 8 uh Ooh. for the first <laughs> time. It's a movie. Never seen, never seen before. It is. I mean, I, I you know enjoyed it while I feel I like we're in 2018 and you just came from the movies. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> It's uh, all that in what, a theater with a, my mom. What a flick! What a flick that was. What a um, flick. Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of uh, people I like uh, being in a movie where they seem to be enjoying themselves. 
I, it's hard to dislike a movie oh, where they're people... in the proposal together. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. hey, great. Hey. Um, but yeah, it's hard to dislike a movie where people are obviously having a good time. Speaking of the beach bum, mm. like people who just obviously like each other and they like, that's why I also love most Adam Sandler movies. Uh, Cause it's just like, he's just hanging out with his friends and they all seem to be enjoying each other. And I can't, you know, I don't know. Can't hate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. With oceans eight, it's like at the very worst, you're putting Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock on screen together to be kind of charming. And it's one mm-hmm. of those things where I'm just like, I can't, you could, there, a, a puppy could direct this and I'd still be like, oh, it's all right. Oh yeah. There's no, the, the, there is no, there are no stakes in that movie whatsoever. You know, <laughs> you know, from the first frame that they will succeed flawlessly, which they do. Mm-hmm. And th- th- not only do they succeed flawlessly, but like nothing goes wrong because even when they pretend <laughs> like something goes wrong, you actually find out that they totally planned for it anyway. And right. I don't, I don't remember. No, I don't remember anything about that movie. The Soderbergh movies, but I don't remember it being so completely devoid of tension or stakes or anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, oh, I, I there's mean, plenty, <clears throat> there's plenty of turns where yeah. it's just like, oh, are they going to fuck this up? And it's like, yes. oh no, they weren't going to fuck it up. Well, because if there's two things that Soderbergh is masterful at in that trilogy, it's uh, tension, obviously, and giving you the sense that yes, they will uh, that that there is a mistake to be made or like, you know, Terry Benedict or Vincent Cassell will be like one step ahead of them. But then it's the reveal of like like the the backtracking is a part of what what is the key to that franchise also but then i guess like gary ross is just not different yeah so that, but that was fine you know it was yeah. okay uh i, I do want to mention that i um recently rewatched for the third time um midsummer midsummer mm. uh, oh wow and mm. i and I bring that up obviously because I I haven't seen Bo's afraid? afraid. Oh, oh, okay, I okay. have I have not been yeah. afraid. Afraid yet? No. Uh, I've not in Bow like fashion, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. In fact, I yeah. might try to see it tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I I you know I I reviewed Midsummer when it first came out, and I really I gave it a good review, and I liked it. And then I rewatched it with my wife and she, and she liked it, but I was kind of, eh, that's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, watching it this time, I watched it with my sister and my dad who both had never seen mm. it before. And they both said it was one of the most fucked up movies they'd ever seen, which made me love it even more. And the whole time and just knowing when the big, you know, shocking scenes were going to occur and then of course at one point when the movie is just like escalating constantly you know uh throughout like the whole second half uh it's uh i really just enjoyed the experience of watching it with them and i and i came out of it loving it and like really really loving ari aster in a way that feels strange given how uh divisive he is uh And I feel like I'm, I'm like very much in the plus column for him. And I don't even think that I really love Hereditary that much, but I just think it's yeah. just so, inc- it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I just was mm-hmm. so taken by it and, and like 
the the really and maybe this is like one of those things where it's just like <laughs> every year I just get more and more triggered by things emotionally in movies but like from the first scene where you uh you know you find out obviously what the trauma that sets the whole movie in motion uh it's so intense and so uh just compellingly shot and i just the 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 atmosphere of it all and how and i think also i forgot how funny it is i think it's a really it's really hysterical funny yeah yeah and it's just like like just uh all the acting in it is incredible uh what's his face the uh the guy who's now adam warlock he's will, amazing will, will, will poulter yeah will poulter oh my god he i i think that he's uh he's amazing in that and in, in that movie his he's got uh, so many laugh lines uh, yeah. that are, are incredible that I just completely missed because you're so uh, I think you're just so prepared for the next like really uh, or possibly revolting thing that could happen that you kind of miss all of the humor that's there and mm-hmm. uh, I love oh him. yeah I love Will Poulter I think I love him as a dude too. If you're ever like on Instagram, like all of his Instagram is him just like, hey, I donated to this charity. Hey, I'm doing a charity for this commercial. Hey, I'm doing this voiceover for like, you know, racial injustice or whatever. And it's just like, that's like his entire presence is just being like, here's a movie I'm in. Here's a charity I'm doing. That's literally mm-hmm. it. He does nothing yeah. else. And that's I really love cool. him for it. Wow. Huh, learn something new. Uh, but um nice little Brit boy. I like him. <laughs> And now he's a big old hunk in a big movie. Now, yeah. Now he's, now he's now, I mean, now he's, he was already kind of on that trajectory of being kind of built. Because especially mm. if you compare him to like where the Millers and like you compare that to like Midsommar and he's just like you can like his shoulders, you know, his shoulders are becoming more prominent. Detroit. Right. Oh, yeah. oh my God. He's yeah, great in that. In yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. like to think about that movie. Yeah. Um. No one choose that. Um. But <laughs> I love I love Midsummer too. I I that movie really scares me. I don't know, like if I were to, I don't know, I can't, I can't make a list of movies that scare me, but it's that, <laughs> that one comes to mind as daytime horror, like that, that, that's like it, something that um, it's, it, it really, there's like an image with that, where seeing the thing that is violent and unworld, unworldly, like that really gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that we see like the disillusion of of all this all these people that um you know danny and and her friends are surrounded by like it's yeah, no that that movie gets me um especially with um the the amount of humor that is in it, it scares me even more, i think because because it's like you're trying to deflect your anxiety with humor but yet it's it's like making it worse it's like the opposite is happening yeah i really uh and it's like a really it's well written because the tone is so well balanced i think like just it doesn't become a horror comedy ever just like those characters are well written yeah yeah exactly yeah it's more just yeah just situational humor and also Mm -hmm. just the like the way that they Mm -hmm. um they're all anthropological students and so they're never they're never quite sure where to draw the line or even if they should draw the line as they're witnessing all these increasingly horrible things happening and uh i don't know i just really i i really keyed into that sort of tension around you know like um wanting to be open 
you know, as someone who wants to, uh, when I travel, I, I don't want to do all the touristy things. I want to like feel like I can be immersed in another culture for a brief time. However, you know, chauvinist that might be. But like that whole idea where it's just like, I should be accepting this other culture, however much I don't understand it. But like, mm. where where am I going to draw this line? Like, is there a moral line uh, that I can draw uh, that's not just purely based on my own fear and insecurity and, you know, chauvinism, you know, uh, and, and lack of understanding, lack of yeah. an open mind, you know. Uh, very much like uh, the beach bum, uh, where like, <laughs> is this is is Harmony Corinne making a moral statement about Moondog? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I it's do so think big. that is definitely sorry. I'm just fast. Like that's definitely like the whole thing about the Jack Rayner character. Like mm-hmm. what's the what's the line between respect and suspicions or or, I, or skepticism? I guess. Well, I mean, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's like a whole thing in ethics. There's this idea of, God, I'm going to push my glasses up. I just took an ethics class in college recently. <laughs> um, and I would love to pull off that term that we learned that it's, I, that I'm, I can't remember. Uh, but it's the idea of how, if, how some people believe that ethics is purely a cultural thing, as in culture, like ethics change. Or, or change depending on what culture you grew up in and how it's not really a thing. Like you can't really ethically judge another culture because in it itself, it is different and mm-hmm. that they're, and they have ethic, they have different ethics and what makes those ethics more or less than, than yours and blah, blah, blah. And so it was really interesting because I've had to write a ton of papers about that, but mm-hmm. um, it's like, yeah, it's that idea of where is the line is there a way to not be binary of like, no, this is wrong all the time. Right. Um, but I don't know. No, it, it's, it's interesting. And I also want to just kind of point out something is at some point we're going to have to talk about how uh, the Nordic and, you know, uh, upper in uh, upper, you know, United Kingdom people are the scariest in movies, the, <laughs> the Danish, the Swedish, um, I forget where the Wicker Man com- takes place. It isn't like some uh, island, Brit- yeah, island off of England, but it's like the secluded island that's probably a little more yeah. up north. That mm-hmm. whole area, yeah. There's some yeah. fishy shit going on. All right, yeah. yeah. There is some fishy shit. If anyone is literally, listening. they're they're if one you... with the the marine life. Yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm if just saying. Any, if there's anyone the listening to this that is from that area, we do not mean. You were no, like, I do mean you. If okay. you're if you're Swedish and Danish, I don't trust you. That's what I'll say. <laughs> we, we I can say tr- this because I because I. But if you're, if you're Finnish, with... then yeah. you know. Yeah. Keep listening. Finland, you're off the hook. That's what I, yeah. I. I have a lot of my family's like my my great grandmother or my grandmother's uh, maiden name was Frosseth. so I'm very Norwegian. So I can say all of this because mm. it's in the same area. Mm-hmm. So I'm allowed. That's what I'll it's say. okay. I understand. It's the same thing where, like, uh, you know, people are talking about whether casting Chris Pratt as Mario is racist against Italian Americans. And as an Italian American, I say, no, it's not racist. 
it's impossible to be racist against Italian Americans. Unless it's Chris as an Italian American, right, right. Unless it's Chris (laughs) Pratt, though, because anything he does is racist. But don't ask me why. (laughs) Exactly. I guess I forgot about that. There's some. There's some way. Don't. And there's no evidence based on that. That's just his existence is questionable. Yeah, it's it's a vibe that you get. But uh, (laughs) let's uh, Chris Pratt. If you don't want to offend Italian Americans, you can cut all that out. I'm sorry. I may I may cut out all of that to offend uh, no one in, in Britain <laughs> or or, or Spain, but, uh, Oh, the Dan- uh, I the if the, hey if the Danish are listening, come at me, dude. I'm in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh-huh. Pull up, come at up. at Birds of Clay. Sound off. Uh-huh. Hey, you, hey, you guys, you got to go low to get high. <laughs> oh, there you That's go. Great. There you go. Um, yeah, I think with that, let's get into. For, well, before each bum, let's get into how dumb we usually start off with an icebreaker with everybody. Sure. Uh, how you fell in love with movies to get to you a little better. Um, if you can think of movies that that made you, you know, understand cinema a little bit more. Wow. I, my, my mom, I think, introduced me to a lot of movies at, at a pretty young age. Uh, I think she put a lot of faith in me that I could handle things like Clockwork Orange uh, when Whoa. I was like 10. Whoa! Uh, and what? and I did, and I'm fine. I'm not a, a horrible human being or anything. I'm I'm fully part of human society. Uh, I, uh yeah. So I think um so th- I I really think that she kind of, I mean, she also like introduced me to like Indiana Jones, you know. So right. I th- I think double uh, feature. Yeah, <laughs> very age appropriate. Um. So I probably I, I give a lot of uh, I think a lot of thanks to her and just um, yeah, just sort of letting me find my way with movies. And I think uh, recognizing uh, how much I don't know, I think I was a really imaginative kid and I really my parents really encouraged me and my brother and sister to be imaginative kids. And um, when you're when you're uh, imaginative and you have no limited access to things like, I mean, we could watch as much TV as possible right. and watch as many VHS tapes as we wanted. Were you a latchkey kid? Uh, no. Um, hmm. But uh, my, my brother and sister were really involved in sports. And so I kind of just was by myself a lot. Um, right. and I, I was, I was always a pretty independent kid anyway. And you know, I was a kid, the kind of kid who would do homework while I was watching TV. And so uh, and my parents never stopped me from doing that, never put any limits on that. And so um, I just grew up really just loving, uh, I mean, it sounds stupid, but just like loving like big stories. And I, mm. and I put a lot of nostalgia and a lot of really good feelings with going to the movies with my my parents and with my aunts and uncles and my cousins and you know like I remember going and seeing uh the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when it came out in Hmm. 1990 and like how excited I was as a kid of eight years old seeing this you know this real life cartoon and uh and so I just I I attach a lot of really in that one what's that is Moondog in Ninja Turtles? <laughs> uh, spiritually, maybe. He is if Casey Jones started smoking weed. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and that's also where I heard the the adult word "damn," uh, and it was I don't know if you remember if you've seen uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Raphael screams the word "damn," which when that you're sounds eight, like Raph. That sounds yeah. like Raph. I mean, he's a rude dude. He's got an attitude. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I guess that's a that's a roundabout way of saying I just I've always I've always felt like movies are like the good fun warm place in my life and i've always loved going to the movies i've always uh every important relationship in my life has movies uh as a big part of it and mm. um, even like with my my wife who uh is not really like plugged into any sort of movie culture or anything like she's still loves watching movies and is really open to watching all kinds of movies. And so watching movies is a big part of our relationship, you know? And so I think that's really what attaches me to it. Uh, and maybe that's also why I, I've just, my brain has always just been uh, the kind that absorbs movie trivia more than like almost anything else. And so, right. you know, I'm, I feel stupid in very many other parts of my life, but when it comes to movies, I feel like I, I, I don't feel stupid <laughs> bro you have no idea how hard I relate to that it's like <laughs> all of my brain is filled up with comic book basketball and movie knowledge and then the moment someone asks me a question about fucking biology I'm like mm -hmm. I mean storage is filled up valent hydrogen yeah. bond yeah. Ah, I don't know what to tell you even when I'm learning <laughs> this shit I'm just like because there's all these new terms and I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to retain this. I already have all the words that I need to know in my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you going to remember Biz Bismack Biombo? No, I'm going to remember Bismack Biombo. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh man. Um, what, uh, so where did you, did you grow up in Portland? No, I grew up in uh, Michigan, uh, right oh. outside of Detroit. Um, okay. I, uh, Berkeley, Michigan, and then Rochester Hills, Michigan, for all those mm -hmm. Michiganders out there. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, and I lived in Chicago for a little while where I went to school, and then um, I've been in Portland for over 15 years. So you're a, so you're a you know, Midwest boy. I am. Uh, gotcha. Yes, I, I have. Uh, I've tried to hide it over time, uh, but you can hear that, that, that real nasal uh, ring in my in my voice uh, that you're not that a wisconsin though like you could like you oh you can like pass it for a little bit like because because i had a i had a huh, i had a geology teacher who was from wisconsin who's lived here for 20 years and you know he says bars and cars and like all mm -hmm. that and i'm just and he's like can you I, how do you know i'm from the midwest and i'm like have you heard yourself talk <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i mean there's at least something charming about uh that kind of the the you know the, the yeah the wisconsin uh, Minnesota accent uh there's something so um I don't know uh boring and maybe even slightly insidious about how uh there is like nothing to our accent besides just that it exists below our nose somewhere like <laughs> inside of our face uh and it's like it's like our voices are just like struggling to get out but our yeah, noses so are in funny. the way it's um, so then, funny. My, when, my mom's from Indiana, so that's really Oh, there funny. you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're used to it. And then with New England accents, it's just like all surface level and it's garbage. It's just what it is. It's just like it's, it's unattractive. Trash. 
Yeah. It's like uh it's like those like <laughs> trash like islands that float around in the ocean. It's just what yeah. I hear it's it's all I can think about when I hear you fucking people talk. Mm-hmm. It's al- it's uh, algae. It's it's like it's all like you sewer. Yeah. You mass holes. It's just all I can hear. It's just this mm-hmm. pure it's just fucking sewage all the we time. We prefer Bostonians if you no. if you I like <laughs> mass holes too much. I like okay. assholes too much. Um, <laughs> I, I, can, don't hear, I, can, I don't hear it in your voice, Jack. No, he no, he has no, he has not even a little bit of a Boston accent. It's that, very that funny. makes me feel like, and that fills me with such glee. You have no idea, but I, I truly don't like her accents at all. I, I, my, my mom and dad don't have one either, but they have one when they get like really excited or or upset when like they have extreme emotion. It's always like ah, there it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh. I was uh, thinking about this yeah. the other day. I had there was a kid I knew. So one time I heard him. So yeah, he was from. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was also from Portland. He was, you know, talked super normal. And then when he called his mom, he had a British accent all of a sudden. And mm. I'm like, whoa, what's going mm. on? He's like, my mom's British. And I'm like, you can turn it on and off like that. That's fucking nuts. It's weird, bro. Yeah. I know. And I hear and a lot of Midwesterns do that, like especially from Minnesota, they go back and they're like, oh, yeah, no, no worries. And just like all the, it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how conscious it is. I have a, I have a friend whose wife is from the UK and whenever she's around her family, yeah, she starts speaking with an accent. But otherwise, when you're just talking to her, she's ironed it out. So it's um, very funny. So I, I don't even know if she really is conscious of it or if it's almost just like your brain is like, oh, I'm around people who talk like this so I can let go. I can like mm-hmm. stop, you know, yes, stop gripping they to look for. so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I have one more question for Dom yeah. and then we can get yeah, to no. like Corinne Munda. What genres Corinne were... Munda. <laughs> Corinne Munda. The, the duo, the dynamic duo. Yeah. Uh, what were the kind of movies and genres that you that you drew that you were uh, that you were uh, drawn drawn no drawn to um, early on? Probably the um, I mean in high school it was uh, like almost now uh, cliche movies, but like I remember watching Fight Club and just being so right. blown absolutely. away, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and just like that was, I was just, and a movie that I watched a lot, uh, Requiem for a Dream was a movie that just blew me away when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I don't even really like Aronofsky that much anymore. But um, I th- honest, when I first uh, watched, uh, I mean, I, I had seen Grizzly Man, which I liked a lot. But when I watched Aguirre, The Wrath of God, I think I was like, holy shit right i want to watch everything that this guy's done right uh he's he's doing something i've never seen before uh and i think um that in a weird way both like falling in love with Werner herzog uh both made me like the kind of fiction that he make he made but mm-hmm. also really start to get into, doc- into documentaries and oh that's interesting i think uh so i really uh really love documentaries but i think that my love of Werner herzog is kind of like splits the two worlds right so right um it probably wasn't until i started really like getting into him that i was like okay i think i want to be a cinephile that sounds like something i should be someone who you know 
loves movies and uh love and wants to like love a director and and right and love understand what the, word the craft I mean. right yeah. right right yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly the exactly understand what they're doing yeah. yeah like what are like what are like what exactly like what are why you know like what what is this director's voice and you mm-hmm. know what is what is an auteur and what does that mean and um and also like and really you know i think uh my love of documentaries really helped me fall in love with a lot more experimental cinema mm-hmm. because the documentaries that I was most uh, moved by were usually the the ones that weren't as straightforward, weren't just like, you know, talking head documentaries or, or straightforward narrative documentaries. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, uh, you know, one of the, the only, one of the festivals that I, I've, the only festival I've gone to more than once. Uh, the only festival I've gone to more than once is the True False Film Festival in Columbia, which is a documentary film festival. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I love it there, and I love uh, what all the all the different ways that documentary can be defined, which is also something that Werner Herzog kind of taught me. You know, like he's very much mm-hmm. willing to play with the idea of what a documentary is, and so mm-hmm. that really sort of blew up my idea of what kind of movies I love. Yeah. I fell, I fell into a similar gateway with um, or rabbit hole. I meant to say like uh, uh, thin blue line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, really inspired me. Um, yeah. Stop making sense. I gotta watch more docs. I'm an but asshole. Like, I, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> what gets me is like when docs are great, they're some of, they're my favorite movies. But like, but like, whether there's like, like a hundred great docs that I'm like, this is what this is like, it, this is incredible. But then mm-hmm. you have an absorber, like a documentary surplus to when you're like, there's like so much where it's like kind of like copy and paste, like talking head style, mm-hmm. like question and answer interview. Well, because there's so many different and, intentions and, and motives to make a yes, documentary. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but you, also, you mentioned Grizzly Man, and that was also, like, really big for me. Um, Fitz that was really big for me. I totally get that, where it's like, those are, I, I like, I'm thinking about now my cousin who's about to be 12, and, like, I would... <laughs> I don't know. Like I would show him Fitzgeraldo just cause it's like, you know, you want to see, like, you want to see how that plays, not like if they would uh, um, like it, but just like, what do they think? You know? Uh, cause, cause that, that can, you know, that's, those are like her songs movies are, are ones that, uh, that really change with you as, as you age, as, as you know. And um, that was really, that was really it for me when, when I saw that, Fitzcarraldo was on YouTube, right? Yeah. And then there's a, and, and, uh, and like, as, as far as like Fitzcarraldo goes, uh, which is another early Herzog movie that I saw that I really loved, you know, watching that along with Burden of Dreams and understanding mm. how uh, sort of inherent to the movie, the process of making it was, and that everything that you're seeing, like, Herzog was doing and he had a whole you know troop of well in the case of Fitzcarraldo he moved a boat over a mountain or in the case of Aguirre he brought a whole uh uh, troop of fake soldiers and uh and people down a mountain you know in the middle of monsoon season and and then Mm -hmm. built a raft that they you know took down the river and so 
learning how the movies were made also really just like opened up how special the movies were and uh so that when you're watching it you can like you're kind of lost in mm-hmm. in just the the very physical spectacle spectacle of it and how you know it's, it's i mean to honestly to bring it back to, to the beach bum it's like i believe that matthew mcconaughey did all this stuff and just wandered around for days completely fucked up uh, like Absolutely. out of his mind and mm-hmm. it's so there's something so beautiful to how uh physical all of the performances in this movie are how physical really harmony corinne's movies are mm-hmm. from what i've seen yes agreed i think that's a good transition to get us the first experiences with um the beach bum with dom which dom has brought with us today uh please yeah just uh speak on how beach bum entered your life <laughs> i'm seeing it uh how you met moondog you know all this all this sort of before i accept whatever words they're giving me today i just want to start off a little bit of poetic foreplay one day i will swallow up the world <laughs> and when i do i hope you all perish violently <laughs> Motherfucking moon dog. Moon dog. Moon dog. Man, you look like shit. Yeah, I look like I always look. <laughs> you have pissed away your talent on women and booze and. Now you're talking. That's what feeds the juices up here in my nugget, man. I get all these things going. They start to hear music. The world's reverberating back and forth, and I hit the frequency start to dance to it, my fingers get moving. I'm spinning all over the fucking place. And the fucking words come out. It all stops now. The foolishness. You gotta publish your novel. And if you mess this up, it's jail time. Uh, Wish me luck. I'm off to write the next great American novel. I may have a gangbang when I get back. I will invite your mother. Thank you, Mr. Moondog. I'm trying to uncover my connection with the world. Just follow me, my friend. (laughs) Let's go, man. Is he a good pilot? Mom, man, you got glaucoma in both his eyes. It's perfect. I love it when a plan comes together. Let's hit it, baby. God damn! Yeah. He was acting like a little fuckboy for a minute. <laughs> you want to shoot something, shoot this shit here. Okay. Now I got to feed my coke-addicted parent. Yeah, yeah, set him up. Can <laughs> 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 do it again, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, my only real experience with, uh, Harmony Korine up to that point was I'd, I'd seen kids and mm-hmm. as, uh, as I told you guys earlier, it shocked me to my, my mm-hmm. young soul's core. And, 
it has a real power to it that it does it yeah and it's it was just so outside of my experience that uh Mm -hmm. it was hard to really just take it on its own terms uh which i think he needed to do with his movies um Mm -hmm. and so i eventually saw spring breakers and loved it like everybody Mm -hmm. did at the time um and so that got me a bit more into the headspace for moondog and and i um when I so in 2019 I was editing at Paste and so I was just seeing as much as I could um, mm-hmm. just as my duties as editor to make sure that I you know had seen everything and uh, my wife at the time was also finishing grad school so she was just like busy studying constantly and so I had a ton of time to myself so I would just go to the movies all the time and uh, I saw a matinee at the Laurelhurst Theater, um, and I, it was the weekend, so I was probably drinking a few beers, and <laughs> um, I just Getting had- Getting space. Yeah, uh, and I just had such a good time. I just, I thought it was so funny. Um, I just, it was, you know, and it's like, it, it, we'll say this a million times, like, it's all about vibes, but I just felt so much- uh, I mean, the movie is beautiful. It's like, mm-hmm. it's basically just golden hour of the movie. And uh, so it's really easy to look at. And then I just, um, at- I also attach a lot of really uh, warm, nostalgic feelings to like being, honestly, like being like 21 and in school and having nothing to do besides just like day drink and and just slowly getting drunk and then smoking weed every once in a while and then keep drinking and just get like a huge buzz on and how you felt invincible and uh like just so much love for the world and everything was beautiful and you know obviously this movie explores how that's not exactly I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the movie has to say. We could talk about that <laughs> if that's a good thing or a bad way to live life. But uh, um, I just really, just really uh, keyed into how um, just the it, the movie just felt like so the the whole vibe was just something that I just fell in love with, I guess. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I just um, I it's it's hard to explain exactly how why I loved it so much i didn't there's you know i don't know if there's necessarily any antecedents in my taste that would make me feel that like i love this besides just it has my sense of humor but um Mm -hmm. and every time i've watched it since i've just always loved it even more and so i uh same Same. that's why i wanted to bring it because it's like a give myself another chance to watch it again but uh Mm. um i also just feel like more and more uh, especially on a place like Twitter, more and more it seems like people really love this movie, and it's sort of like, well, then I wonder why it kind of just slipped through the cracks a few years ago. Um, especially now, when it seems like it's got a lot of fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, same with me. I uh, <clears throat> every time I've I've seen this again, it's it's grown in my uh, estimation as as honestly one of the great. like comedies about like character studies original comedies of the decade you could even say it's on that tier um because it's it's one you could say like because of the hiatus between 
this in Spring Breakers, uh, Harmony has built up such um, an escalation to this uh, visual language, this editing language, uh, this um, character writing language that it's like, it feels complete, but also it's like, just real. I like, like you say, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I've played this and when I've uh, shown this to friends, um, uh, the summer it came out in 2019, it played so well, like mm-hmm. so well. And of course it did, like it, it feels really approachable, but um, Moondog is just so watchable. And, and even like you have a few scenes with it, with each character that you kind of float in and out of the ensemble. It's like, you feel like you've really understood everybody and no one's had too little uh, screen time. But I also saw this in a screening with uh, Dumbo the same day because I Ooh. really wanted to see this. And this was also when I started. And you really uh, wanted to see Dumbo. You were it just was like, I, I got to see that fucking elephant. He has those big ass flew. ears. He sure does. Um, freaking adorable. Yeah, Colin Farrell so. called Thank him you. Big D. But I was also pursuing film criticism at that time. And I bring up Dumbo because I volunteered to write about Dumbo. Blank Check was covering Tim Burton at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm going through all the Burton movies because I watched along with Blank Check. And then, uh, you know, it's. I'm uniquely prepared for this moment of watching this Disney piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's that's right. That's right. That's cute. But then uh, I was like six out of 10. And then right after that, I went and saw the beach bum and it was like, that was fantastic. Um, this movie pre- premiered at South by Southwest and then came out shortly mm-hmm. after. Um, we can talk a little bit about neon after, but uh, neon pretty good year for them. And this started yeah. it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. This. So I saw this. Holy shit. So I saw this on Hulu, uh, November 18th, two days after my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Nice. Um, back in 2019, um, and I was instantly, I don't know if that was, Jack, I'm, I'm going to ask you a very unfair question. Do you, that, that ha- when did, okay, no, you're right. Never mind. I don't need, because that had to have been before I watched Spring Break again for this podcast, because we did that episode in like what 20 2021 2020 um doesn't matter um it, it was definitely not no it was but it was definitely not before fall of 2019 and of course like we i think we should also sorry i just remember to say like uh we've covered spring breakers before if those who have not listened like you know check out that with Great cassidy episode. olsen uh um but my relationship harmony um saw spring breakers when i was a teen uh instantly it was one of my all-time favorite movies ever and then i went back and saw gummo and uh uh, kids and then i Mm. saw like i saw like back to back no no i don't know i don't know when i did i just i just saw them i don't know um but you haven't seen them you don't know like what the content is but gummo (laughs) i've seen enough to know i don't know if i want to watch that back to back with some of his other shit well i like harmony but it's like such a unique voice to me when I was yeah. like 17, I think. And uh, Spring Breakers really like, like that was, I just, I hadn't seen anything like that. And um, then we had, yeah, we just podcast about it. But yeah, I, I don't know. Corinne's I, I, always really lingered with me. That's, that's all. Mm-hmm. So I was at the point 
So at that point, I only saw Spring Breakers once, and I thought, good, good movie. Um, and then I watched Beach Bum, like, oh, this is a very pleasant time, uh, or like a pleasant uh, hour and 30 minutes to spend. This is incredibly watchable and enjoyable. Um, and then, but I have no real experience of Corinne besides those at, at that point at all. And then we will rewatch Spring Breakers for the podcast. And this is, and I watched probably Spring Breakers for the first time in like 2018 when I was 18 years old. And so when we watched it for the podcast, which is like 2020, 2021, older, I've seen so many more movies between then and that that, uh, that time and now. Um, and I watched Spring Breakers for like the second time. I'm like, oh, this is like it was one of the 2021. Great- okay that makes sense yeah so it was like three three four years between i before i saw they were between uh the first watch and the second watch Mm -hmm. and i watched spring breakers again like oh this is one of the great american films of this decade Mm -hmm. this is like one of the most accurate pictures of american excess and the the, the derangement and moral disintegration of capitalism and uh media and like all these grand i just had the vocabulary yeah. I, yeah. I back it was just like, oh, I understand what this means. I understand what this is saying. I under I feel it. I under like I understand what's going into this. And it also has Gucci me. Um <laughs> and and then I'm like, oh, that's like just incredible piece of cinema. And I, I still have not I'm still I still have not seen any more of Corinne's work because again, I think and we kind of talked about this also before recording. It's like those movies aren't necessarily things you're like. Can't wait to put this on. Gonna yeah, be so yeah. happy. Just gonna throw on, you know, fucking I mean, demo and watch him eat spaghetti in a in yeah. a uh, in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's that, but you know, I think for me, he's always had um an eye for people on the outs on like the people that we don't think about, like on the outside of like like events of like you know people that are just trying to like crack be comfort. Yeah, uh, hey, that's one of his movies. <laughs> no, but um, but that, and and Gummo and uh, Julian Donkey Boy and you know the early era uh, stuff, Mister Lonely. Like these are things where it's like another examination of people who just don't feel included, and mm-hmm. the people that don't feel included happen to be like lower income. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. like people in in uh, in Gummo. My my memory is so hazy, but. Um, for me, it's like the main difference is just his age, which you don't want to blame that on every auteur, but it's like for Harmony Korean, he was like real, real young. I mean, maybe Dom can speak yeah. to this better, but he was like, I think about those David Letterman interviews, which always get me um, when he's trying to promote. Oh God, uh, I can't even uh, imagine. It's, it's rough. Him and Letterman? Oh no. Yeah. I talk about it a, a bit on the Spring Breakers pod, but I, that's right. I think I there, essentially there's this compilation of uh, uh, interviews with Harmony Korean on David Letterman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's promoting Kids Gummo, his book, and then it cuts to Franco um, uh, uh, promoting Spring Breakers and saying like Korean is never allowed on set again for Letterman for you know stealing something from Meryl Streep's purse. Um, very interesting end to that compilation but the fact that he's so young when he's starting to make then when he's starting to do screenwriting and make movies really shows to me that he's having all these interesting ideas but the shape that he's trying to articulate himself 
is within this, you know, kind of vile and uh, uh, um, like a lot very dirty uh, humor and mm-hmm. setting that that you just like see is translated into the visual language of Beach Bum and Spring Break. So I hope that made sense, but that's just, yeah. that's how I see it, where it's like kind of like taking different shapes like throughout uh, ha- into the 2010s. I haven't seen um, Gummo or Julian Donkey Boy, uh, but I have seen, or Mr. Lonely, but I have seen uh, Trash Humpers. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's, uh, it's it's funny and it's it's a pretty, um in, intense movie as far as just ha- how depraved it, it 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 never gets like i mean there there is a few images that are pretty fucked up but uh it it feels like it aims at depravity and never quite gets there um uh which is not a bad thing but um i do wonder obviously like spring breakers and the beach bum are very mature compared to yes, uh, what he was doing before yeah. and he obviously has uh he has like a better idea of what he wants to convey mm-hmm. um and i honestly and and i i think that especially with the beach bum what's so beautiful about the movie is that it's still very absurd but it really has like a really uh weighty center about um like grief in this world and like how do you how do you live a life uh that is fulfilled uh uh in our at at, how do you live a life that's fulfilled at the end of history and uh you know but it's also incredibly absurd like this the scene with martin lawrence captain whack uh how (laughs) casually uh Moondog hands him his foot and he's like, I'll trade you my your yeah. foot for your I'll trade yeah. you your foot for your hat. And it's not a part of the act, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just and then he just go walks away onto the next adventure. How absurd that is, but how like how really moving the end of the movie is where mm. he wins the Pulitzer Prize, just, just wins it, sure. Yeah. And then uh and then like, you know, and he's the guy's interviewing him and asking him, like, what do you like? how like what's the point of life and he's like uh to have fun that's the whole point of life is to have mm-hmm. fun and then he yeah. burns all of his money uh he burns the something... boat because right. it's like it, in the movie we see i mean for for me it's like we see what the point of life is it's yeah. moondog's um innate quality to i think moondog likes strangers oh yeah i don't know and... it's like he loves entertaining people he loves he likes i think he likes people you know he likes um, just to have fun and meet people have, yeah yeah and, and it's like yeah, yeah there's something really really poignant about that po- poignant in a way you don't expect from someone like harmony corinne mm-hmm. and uh i mean i would i i've never like attempted to to find one of his scripts but i would wonder what it would look like because mm. he another thing about him is he loves Werner herzog obviously because yes. herzog is in julian donkey julian boy donkey boy uh and he wrote the foreword for this uh really important Herzog book um and Herzog has talked many times before about how uh Harmony Korine's favorite movie is Even Dwarfs Started Small which is possibly one of Herzog's most fucked up movies and uh and it's really frightening because you feel like Harmony Korine is coming the when he talks about that movie he talks about how he's more 
taken aback by how someone like Herzog could have these crazy thought, like, where do these images come from? Where do these ideas come from? And when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, wow. Like, and Herzog even says they come from a nightmare place. Like he, he says, I, I thought of even Dwarf started small in the nightmare. I saw it as a nightmare. And so to think that Harmony Corinne like is pulling all these movies from the same like nightmare place. Uh, and that after all this time, he comes up with the beach bum, which is just such a warm, poignant movie. That's a really deal. sweet movie. It, it's really yeah. sweet. And to think it's that like, true. yeah, all of that like that's the culmination of this like nightmare place that he's been pulling from all this time like there's something very wonderful and hopeful about the fact that Mm -hmm. this is the movie that he's made and how how optimistic it is about a really shitty time when it's really easy to not feel optimistic about things yeah Um, it's wonderful in that way um i haven't seen oh go ahead no because i was i just thought like uh, no matter the era in the age of Harmony Korean, it's like we can see like the content of the movie is like um, it's full of debauchery and 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 like 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 there is this language like actual like language that he writes for the for the characters where you're like I can I can see this I can see like from point A to point B like what he's like like the actual um, no like the sound of his characters but it's like. Mm-hmm when you get into the 2010s with his work, it's, it's so interesting to, to compare it to his nineties work for me. Cause, cause that's when you can start to, cause I think all of his characters are pretty lonely and he's trying to like articulate that, that loneliness mm-hmm. a little differently. And, but. Do you think, do you think Moondog is lonely? I do. Like he could be surrounded by the keys and the, the weed and the cigars and the sun, but. But he's just he, he has he's very smart, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's like pretty isolated because he's going to always be, you know, having this very shaggy life. And this like he's like a nomad that's trapped in Florida. You know, he's just kind of mm-hmm. like uh, but I think that's very cool. It's, it's like the stagnant life is is like, well, um, it's well captured here. That needs to be a book. A nomad trapped in Florida. That needs to be a book. <laughs> that sounds that's like a Tom Robbins a- book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, I, I guess like one other thought that I just had with, with the book is like, I'm thinking about the uh, David Letterman interviews with Hermity Crane and he keeps on, or not, I don't know how about multiple times, but a few times he brings up this idea of writing the great American novel. Hmm. And that stuck with me about something that's mentioned here about writing the great American novel. And <laughs> he's kind of like making a movie about someone that that is attempting to. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with with the 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 money that you know that's minis and um that's interesting that he has this vision of someone who may not look it or sound it but is is trying to like make a great work of art and maybe that's harmony right <laughs> well see that's exactly that's a that's a really good idea because it's like do because ultimately this this book is born out of uh this great loss and uh it makes you wonder is that is that if if the movie is making a statement i mean it doesn't have to at all but is harmony corinne saying that like great art needs to come from some sort of like great loss or great tragedy that if if not then brilliant people aren't pushed to accomplish great things Mm -hmm. 
Um, or does the world push you to make art? Is the everything conspiring in a way that, like, are you are, is your art the product of your environment and the events happening in your life? It's all because yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like that's that's a great line from the movie is when he says he's like uh, I don't know maybe the universe is conspiring to bring me joy or something like that yeah, to make me happy. happy yeah. And you're like, it seems like that's the case. <laughs> it's, and is that just how it is for some people? Uh, did he do anything to earn that? Um, well, it's like, I can't believe I'm about to do this. So Edgar Allan Poe uh, <laughs> was an orphan. Mm. I mean, his parents died. I forget when. Um, but in, you oh, know, I know. In, in, oh that's right yes um but it's like you can you know other shit happens in his life and he was obviously like probably not well but it's like you could argue that the world was conspiring him to make him miserable Mm. and that's what produced some of you know best writing people ever read you know depending Mm. on who you you say you know it's like and yeah and like how many great artists have a fucked up backstory (laughs) <laughs> or and and it's interesting it's kind of like that idea it's like almost uh a what if it's like in a sense even though his wife did die it's like corinne's asking what if art was produced from joy and mm-hmm. fun and happiness mm-hmm. um i think music is for sure i think a lot of music is produced that way yeah. i mean you know you could it, it, it also has that you know cultural side of it and that idea of music in, you know, culture has been used to celebrate, used to um, make others happy, bring joy. Um, you know, you could say dance as art has been made from joy, but it's like when it's writing, mm-hmm. like the written word, I don't know, can you name any great writers that had a dope ass life? You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, Hemingway yeah. drank himself to death, basically. Um, you know, you have authors who, you know, you know, Stephen King did an insane amount of cocaine. Like, it's these these great writers don't. I don't know. I can't think of like, oh, yeah, that dude, he was killing it before he wrote. I mean, everything mm-hmm. was going great for him. Uh, he was so happy and joyous. Um, or even with the writers that do have a dope life, it's like those aren't as famous or the ones that stick out from the ones who do come from tragedy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like this alternate dimension in a way of like, what if there is this amazing poet and the reason his poetry was loved was because he had a dope ass life. Right. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Cause it's interesting. It doesn't, it does the fact that many, you know, I I just you know I'm thinking about like how that scene is uh, told to us where it's like oh is this actually happening and then actually happens like like even on rewatches you're like oh right like this is when it happens but then you're like you can kind of see Pulitzer? a version when when uh, when Minnie dies like you're you're kind of oh. like oh what you're like you're trying to like fake yourself out like oh wait like like you're getting into an auto accident that's right um, yeah but I'm thinking about that and it's like does uh that i mean that that's what pushes um moondog to write again but that doesn't change moondog right like he's still he's still the same person that like really doesn't he doesn't change but it's really just his attitude towards uh creativity is forced uh to change and 
um, I really like what Matt McConaughey says about Moondog. He describes him as a verb, a folk poet, a character in a Bob Dylan song, dancing through life's pleasures and pain, knowing every interaction is another note in tune to his life. Like that's <laughs> kind of perfect. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a very like uh like something else that McConaughey says about this character. And I saw this clip when he was teaching. I forget what university it, it Texas, is. I know I'm guessing. <laughs> right, he's right. a Longhorn through and right. through. I don't know, Clay. That's a pretty weird guess of you to make that. <laughs> um, but he was saying like this. This character is all it's all rhyme no rhythm or something like that <laughs> it's like and it's like when you see inner like obviously you watch actors and they keep on saying the same things over and over yeah. every interviews but it's like that kind of makes sense like you could repeat that a bunch of times you're like yeah, that's moondog you know it's like he's just all uh and the thing about mcconaughey is that floating, people treat you know? him treat him like moondog sometimes where it's like even if it doesn't make sense you're yeah. like that's a great point dude yeah that's a great point yeah, and that's then, a, that's a great yeah. That's cause, cause, there's I so, mean, Corinne is fantastic at, at casting. Also, you know, there's so many uh, uh, times where he, I mean, you really only hear a very very small amount of his poetry in this movie, because uh, uh, you he spends so much time uh, like quoting other poets. I mean, there's like three times where he the first like first time he quotes or he just starts saying this like really beautiful poem and it sounds amazing. And you're like, holy shit, is this like is this uh, is this Moondog's poetry? Like I get it, he's awesome, and yeah. uh, he's with he's with Landre, and Landre's like, oh my god, that's beautiful. Who was that? And he's like, oh, that was me. I wrote that. And then eventually <laughs> he admits that that was D. H. Lawrence, and that he who he copied Lawrence, in like eighth yeah. grade or something. Yeah. Uh, and then later he starts quoting like Baudelaire, and then admits that it's Baudelaire. And then when he's with Flicker, Zach Efron, he starts <laughs> quoting Walt Whitman. And well, yeah. and even Flicker's like, oh my god, that's beautiful, man. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and I don't think that uh, Moondog says it's Walt Whitman, uh, but it's just like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter that he might not be a good poet because the only poem we hear is okay. I suppose it's better when he's saying it. It's better, like probably than it is on the page. Uh, you know, because his like his general carry and the way that he approaches the world and the way that the world embraces him is almost like an art unto itself. And it, so like, yeah, he can steal a D.H. Lawrence poem, but he'll make it sound really good and he'll make lingerie appreciate it. He can steal uh, a Walt Whitman poem and make this like, you know, dirtbag guy fall in love with the words for the moment. You know, uh, mm. there's really something special about that that makes you that makes you want to believe that moondog is a good person even yeah. when he might not be a good person mm-hmm. uh i don't know i mean i guess i i guess that's one of the things that i st- still come away with is i don't know if harmony corinne has a thought about that if he thinks that maybe he thinks moondog's a good person because moondog is living life according to how he wants to live mm-hmm. life and that makes you a good person uh, but he's like hurts other people, you know, <laughs> like he uh, arguably, arguably his wife wouldn't be dead uh, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for him. Uh, you know, he's he almost misses his daughter's wedding. He's <laughs> he's really shitty to her, her limp dick husband. His limp dick husband. Yeah. <laughs> Who does suck, by the way. He deserves <laughs> like he just he been a, a bit of a bit of a wet sandwich. Yeah. I <laughs> love how much everyone hates him i I think that's so funny i i I love how committed 
this movie is to every single bit possible. Mm. Captain Whack. Like, it only asks, like, I love the introduction of a bit and how it only escalates from there. Captain Whack, he's just kind of, you know, he's a wacky uh, fucking uh, tour guide, whatever. And then you go to his place and then he has like a machine gun and a coke addicted bird. <laughs> and it just like, it keeps jumping. Yep. Uh-huh. And then he loses his foot because he couldn't tell it was sharks. And then <laughs> at the, and then he didn't know, then he still wasn't sure if they were sh- uh, dolphins or not. It's like those <laughs> with uh, Zach Efron, it's like, oh, he's the dude, you know, who's like, and you know arsonist apparently and then you know he loves christian metal oh no he's like fucking like you know completely out of it uh he smashes uh a bottle over this like helpless dude it's like <laughs> it it's all this escalation but it never feel it's so funny because it's so seamless and so i never there's not even a single moment of tension in this movie not even mm-hmm. a, maybe when she, when uh when the you can't tell if um at the moment of like the headlights and the oh, yeah. constant cutting you're like oh she you know did they get hit blah 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 the moments like that maybe in that like five minute span mm-hmm. but it's all if there's no tension but but yet everything escalates mm-hmm. moondog breaks a window jumps in finds a a, a go-kart and drives the police come to uh, arrest them at lingerie's place they pack a van full of weed and you know, and they're running away and blah blah blah. It's like there, there's no. I'm never just like more. My blood pressure doesn't go up. I don't. Right. My heart doesn't beat any faster. It's <laughs> no. still this like almost and that's placid, the, perfect viewing. Yeah, that's the key difference between this and Spring Breakers. That of course, right. like, absolutely, Spring Breakers does have that shift in the second half when, um, when Alien and Gucci Mane do have that. Mm-hmm. you know uh budding relationship um those alien voiceovers are like unsettling when he's yeah. just like there's no music and he's talking over like this like spring montage i know oh, it's yeah. just like fuck yeah. jesus it's incredible yeah. but uh i i and, you know it's like the movie is so in simpatico with uh moondog as as a person that mm. they know um they're not gonna be side they're not going to be by the side of one person for too long and the movie knows Mm -hmm. that moondog is going to get anxious and then want to move on to the next um to the next blunt to the next you know (laughs) uh adventure but i mean the adventure thing is like not it's like a loose adventure because like an adventure to him is like a night out with flicker it's not so much like finding something or um, rather it's not going to re- going to like find someone it's yeah. it, it you know it's um it's it's interesting because you know it's like the movie's attitude um towards moondog's lifestyle is like kind of wrapped up in that scene with um uh oh what's the uh uh Lewis, right? Jonah Hill. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like when there are it's like one of the final scenes with with uh with Lewis and they're like the the great thing about acting being rich is like you can act horrible and you can get away with it. Like that's kind of the movie too, you know. It's just well, like he says that right. Yeah, that's what it's it's funny because but he says that right after he basically is like, I you know, Moondog, I'm afraid I'm not even gonna attempt to do Jonah Hill's excellent like new orleans accent or whatever he's doing there uh but 
he's like i'm afraid that no one is going to remember me when i'm done when i die and but knowing you and being a part of your life feels like that's enough which is a really again like a really poignant thing to say about this almost like saint-like person uh who somehow the universe just works for yeah and you're like i yeah. wish like being close to you makes me feel okay about the universe and then yeah and then he's like you know what's great about being rich <laughs> horrible <laughs> Because it's like, it's that and, uh, you know, Moondog is saint-like, but also revered as a great artist. Um, I, I guess like a great artist in, you know, everyone around, uh, like the citizens of Key West, like definition of a great artist. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like, people just feel good around him. You just get that sense. And um, the attitude that he has um towards life is like i you know i i don't need i need all this for a momentary value but it, it mm-hmm. not no um no thing lasts me for a lifetime because he hasn't thought about a lifetime right um no but he's but like you know, know everything is uh uh, everything is yeah everything is ephemeral everything mm-hmm. is 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 not lasting so because mm-hmm. moondog is such an it's such an ad, moondog is such an attitude kind of like the dude is is an attitude i suppose but you know it's like i guess i think i thought about that like that that it's like it's like moondog is like the dude but i guess like this hasn't been um reclaimed but you know this hasn't been like you don't see moondog on people's shirts or what mm. have you, you know, it's like, that's not paraphernalia, like Big Lebowski, <laughs> but Big Lebowski also wasn't a big hit at the time, I guess. Right. Um, Another way to think about the, the vibe of the movie, it, or how completely it feels like it has imagined this, not only this person, but this world that sort of revolves around this person is Tar, uh, comparing it to Tar, which is another film which feels like uh just feels like a whole universe that revolves around a completely imagined person mm-hmm. uh which I'm a really con- yeah i'm kind of confused because tar is actually a real lady tar is a real person oh okay well then i guess so is moondog yeah, I, i'm, so I'm confused too because i'm talking right. about a real person his name is moondog yeah clay clay we clay doesn't like when i call lady tar a real person and um <laughs> it just it just became too much at some point everyone was doing it and i just i got to a point where i'm just like i can't this is not anymore yeah this is a farce. i mean there's no i i know what you're saying like too many biopics like kind of repetitive like cookie cutter but yeah it's like all right yeah. uh, todd field you're back in making movies but it's like make something original all right all right, all right. you you all right all right yeah. beach mom is obviously a, a much more absurd movie and an absurd universe than tar but uh it's still like the fact that like jimmy buffett is there the 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 soundtrack the uh um the score to the movie which i was looking up uh is by this guy named i think john debney who's done like scores for just like goofy rom-coms and stuff which the score to this movie feels it's, like 
it's goofy. like temp music like it's temp music like it's, yeah it's sort of like filler yeah it feels like it feels like yeah like a exactly like uh like an like a really like an am sandler like family movie or something <laughs> yeah uh, it kind of like uh i i know when Hans zimmer before he started scoring like blockbusters on like chris nolan like like he would score for like nancy myers and it's sort of i think like he did a matthew mcconaughey rom-com at one point i don't know maybe oh, i'm making that up really? i feel like yeah, maybe Hans zimmer might have done that yeah. oh yeah but i think it all like it just feels like such a complete vision of a world that really impresses me uh because it's such a such an idiosyncratic world that i am, am only know through i guess the the uh the stereotypes that it's exploiting but like yeah just the whole the the, the world of key west of florida of the sort of the jimmy buffett uh beach beach bum uh uh you know all of that it feel it just feels completely thought through and i mean i can't I, you you only have to assume that harmony corinne has a lot of experience with this world well you know, i so mean that. you also have i mean there's a reason why you have mcconaughey snoop dog in a movie like I mean, it, apparently you know, there's been reports on set and I don't know if this is just like bullshit or true, but it's like, you know, they were doing an insane amount of drugs on set. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, yeah, mm. even McConaughey might have never, you know, he's all, he's been famous for quite a for quite a long time, but it's like. He understands that carefree, give yourself up to uh, the universe mentality and mm -hmm. snoop dogg is well just you know he's a I, you can't be more of a stoner he is like the stoner cult culture personified he is mm -hmm. what is he? you know i it, i didn't i mean he's a stoner oh no oh does he does he smoke marijuana oh yeah was mm -hmm. well, this the, not like a character uh, reefer some of the kids call it or uh, the right. um yeah the street drug known as marijuana um, funny cigarettes yeah no, yeah. no, no, that's called jazz cigarettes. <laughs> jazz cigarettes. Um, Funny cigarettes uh, is from Mad Men. That's... Oh, God. Um, of course. Uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, no, it's this, this perfectly attuned world. So you have to have perfectly attuned actors and characters in that world. I mean, I would be shocked that there wasn't people he found off the street for some of these roles um i have not looked that up but it just seems very likely like all the you know this the side the, the side mm -hmm. characters the people who populate key west oh yeah um it's it, he's committed to the authenticity to a surreal world which is very fun mm -hmm. um the Beach Bum. You yes. did this movie with Matthew McConaughey. I did. Snoop Dogg. Correct. This is a, uh, I'm going to say, a chill cast. Everybody sort of was stoned for a lot of it, and <laughs> I don't smoke pot. Well, the you characters are. You don't smoke pot? No, I don't. Um, yeah. And uh, I felt, and I had to sort of s smooch them, so I felt like I kind of got a contact high and was kind of stoned from smooching them, which was not my idea of fun. Sorry. Did uh, you have a kissing scene with Snoop Dogg? Because when he has come here, and Andy, you'll back me up on this, mm -hmm. when Snoop Dogg visits uh, our show, which he's done many times, he and his uh, entourage hang out in the dressing rooms, everyone's smoking, and it gets into the filtration system. Oy. 
And when I've come out and the audience is laughing at the show, <laughs> and the show doesn't start for another 10 yeah. minutes. Now, now we actually rent a trailer yeah. to keep him off premises. Just we, so the we do. That sounds does, like a that doesn't sounds, get smoked. That out. sounds like a joke, but so that the audience doesn't get stoned, we have a trailer I know, I believe for you. Snoop Dogg. I shot a movie with him. I can testify. It's a, it, you, it's a lot. It's going on. We have a clip here from the Beach Bum. Anything oh, great. you can tell us about the scene? I think you're talking about Matthew McConaughey's character here. Is that right? I have not seen this clip. I was busy producing sperm. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst joke. I'm so sorry. Um, well, anyway, I think this is a scene <laughs> where you're talking to, uh, is it your daughter in this yes, scene? Yes. I think so. I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. Let's take a look. <laughs> and it's called the beach bum, which you don't even know. All right. <laughs> take a look. You almost ruined the whole day. Don't say that. No, it was fun. He's f***ed up, Mom. Uh, it's just Moondog. Don't make excuses for him. But you just kind of have to accept that he's, he's from another dimension. He really is. And you have to love him for it. I do. You and Limtick are going to have to accept that. <laughs> no, but I do think Moondog's mother coddled him way too much. I've told her this before. I mean, he wore a diaper until he was eight. And honestly, I think she put brandy in his little bottle. <laughs> I kind of want to uh, get to this thing. So when I was watching this for the second time before, wa before recording, I was watching it and I kind of remembered. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. There was like audiences did not like this movie. Hmm. Like over like, you know, the general audiences or whatever. And I'm watching it and I'm just like, I don't get what the fuck were you expecting? <laughs> like, it's like I it, the, do you not know what a stoner, like what stoner culture is? Do you not know hmm. the entirety of Matthew McConaughey's like pop culture vibe or his you know his um his iconography in a way like mm -hmm. this is the movie you got like what were you i i i kind of like okay is it maybe because it's like oh it doesn't were they expecting a plot were they expecting <laughs> like amazing lines of dialogue what yeah i i know that neon didn't put this in theaters for a while like it was like oh people aren't seeing this pull it like it was uh, one of those instances and it didn't really even make its budget back either. Um, but well, yeah, I don't know. And I, I mean, know audience really ratings chance to have exposure. Well, even well, well, it was on Hulu and so but like audience ratings, like if, and again, the, the audience ratings are usually horseshit. So who's to say, but it's like 42% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever the fuck and like 5.5 on IMDb and all this other and all these other metrics and it's just like and, and i got and i i just it's one of those things well i i can't even comprehend what the expectation was that wasn't this i i, I mm -hmm. can't even understand it like were you looking for a linear plot <laughs> like i don't know i just kind of uh imagined it uh a lot of it i wanted to make a comedy i wanted to uh, I spent a lot of time in the Keys and hanging out with smugglers and uh, and guys living on houseboats and whatnot. And I just wanted to make a kind of stoner comedy or my version of one. Now, did you write it with Matthew McConaughey in mind? I feel like maybe you did. Yeah, definitely. I thought Matthew's kind of got this like reputation as a iconic stoner, and 
I thought maybe I could push his character into something hyper real and something kind of uh, pretty out there. So whose idea was it to get him naked, stoned, and playing the bongos? Uh, you got to ask him. <laughs> I think that's his natural state. Because it's literally partying like it's 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's his natural state. But no, that was good. You know, wanted it to... I was like, I grew up on Cheech and Chong movies and stuff, and I was like, I felt like this is uh, my extension of that kind of cosmic America. Was there anything that went too far over the line that you didn't include in the movie? There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that... That I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There is. There is. It's, it's hard to, uh, can't put it all in there. And why five years between the movies? You know, I'm just a slow director. <laughs> I, I really am. It takes me a while to figure out what I love and what I want to do and uh, where the culture is. And so, yeah, I haven't really made, I, I'm slow, so. And how much weed were people really smoking while you were filming? Yeah, there's a lot of weed. I mean, it was like the, 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 it was a lot of weed. The frame was uh, was filled with uh, bud. I was trying to think of like what movie to compare it to this time because it does feel like it's just yeah, it's just it's like a um, it's a stoner know. movie. It's, it's a movie it's a about movie. a guy named Moondog. Like what? If, what do you want? So it's, yeah, I've never I, seen any Cheech and Chong movies, but yeah, I would right. imagine them being kind of like this. Yeah, you know? me too. Me too. And those are I, the stoner movies. Yeah, like yeah. that's like what it is, and so. When you go into watching a stoner movie, were they expecting what? P uh, Pineapple Express? Like, what the fuck? Right, right. If there's anything that comes to mind for me from this decade, another film we've covered that also doesn't like had a pretty bad release. It's Under the Silver Lake. Oh, but even right. then, it's not even that close. Like, I'm tr really trying. Um, but this is so. But similar. I understand what people. I I can get the the disconnect i can get people going in oh it's going to be this thriller that kind of under looks at the underbelly of la and it is but it isn't yeah. with this it's like stoner comedy matthew mcconaughey snoop dogg movie stars yeah this is it yeah this is the movie there was no other movie that they could have made this is the movie like, <laughs> I, I, and just, and also like march is a terrible time to release this mm. Well, I mean, is yeah. it a good time to release this? 420. It feels like 420. <laughs> Shit, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> Fuck me. I think I'm going to close my laptop and leave. That was... <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, we're, we're recording two days after 420. Right, right. I was going to say. Yeah, the the vibes are they're still hanging out. They're still there. good. Yeah. Moondog would be proud of us. Um, <laughs> I got to smoke it. I haven't smoked it in a while. That's, but I, you don't, you know, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this movie didn't make you want to like the, honestly this movie was like oh my god that i i want to get high and drunk watching this I, movie i'm so lazy it's like <laughs> i like smoking weed but i don't like buying it so i don't that's the thing yeah. mm -hmm. i'm like yeah. i'm i'm too lazy to be a stoner can you imagine Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Sounds Absolutely. like a stoner to me. I know, right? That's the thing. I it's just it's so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, stereotypes about stoners, man. They can be industrious. Um, this yeah, this movie obviously clearly understands what it's like to be stoned. It it's yes. it's, it's, it's it's not one of those movies that like is a is is a, a poser about drug life. <laughs> you know, these guys are in it for. 
yeah logo. and it was also it's walking around a highway giggling at nothing that's what yeah. being high is but it's all but it's it's giggling at nothing with you don't i mean you do get some moments of moondog alone but he's also with people he has a lot of screen partners and i think that i get mm-hmm. you know that's obvious but also it's like a part of the joy of being high is being high with friends mm-hmm. and those friends you could have just met yes yeah. because and that was important for snoop dog too like he changed out the prop weed for snoop weed and everybody that yeah. moondog comes across is uh like smokes or yeah. is like you know is 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 of the same uh persuasion as him willing to embrace him and, and like yeah exactly <laughs> when he when he decides that he uh ne- is trying to escape the cops so um he comes up with the idea that he can dress as a woman uh and that no one will recognize him and so as soon as he gets back to key west and he's walking he's like you know swerving down the street with a uh 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 carting like a you know a ton of marijuana and wearing a, a dress and it was like hey moon dog how's it going and then he's yeah, yeah, waving yeah, back yeah, yeah. it's so like, fun yeah he makes so... a comment like we're just you know we're we're slipping by unnoticed and it's <laughs> yeah. so yeah 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 it's <laughs> so funny um <laughs> I love, I love everything about that Rastafarian dude with <laughs> like the huge ass fucking joint who's 98% blind. I think he needed an Oscar for this movie. He like the what I think what stood out to me was the pure efficiency of the actors and uh, and character actors in this film. What Isla Fisher does in what? 10 minutes of screen time Mm. Mm -hmm. 15 she's felt throughout the entire movie and she doesn't even talk that much a lot of it is just montage based it's just her like dancing and lip syncing and just kind of and you not hearing any sound but she's obviously talking to moondog passing a joint and like she makes an incredible mark on this film oh yeah you feel like that presence throughout the whole thing and you understand the relationship between her and moondog um uh, what lawrence does in what again like 10 minutes of screen time if uh what uh-huh. efron and hill and his fucking daughter like all these all these and you know obviously the very you know particular character actors who appear for five seconds they all they all just make a mark on the film almost immediately um, excuse and, me, you're missing Jimmy Buffett. I'm a little confused. No, of course, Jimmy I'm Buffett. A little, yeah, right. Yeah. Even it's the, the limp dick husband. It's just like you're get out of here, you fucking turd. It's just like <laughs> it's like so fucking. It's perfect. Everyone yeah. is so in tuned. It's this pure, like efficient yeah. precision. It's it's all and for something that is so kind of not messy, but kind of lackadaisical in the sense of the you know, the film is about the idea of carefree attitude. It's so pinpoint and it's so meticulously crafted in a way that is so it's that kind of dichotomy between like the nature of the vibes of the film and mm-hmm. the actual craft going into it. Even though probably half of the actors I talked about were high as fuck when they were filming. But yeah, it, oh, yeah. to me, it feels so like, like just they're, they're in their zone of their craft. 
Oh my fun. god, yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't matter how high uh Matthew McConaughey had to get to play Moondog, it's still amazing the performance that he's giving. Yes. Um, maybe yes. the best performance of that year. If you put a gun to my head. Let's I mean, oh, I hey, so listen, much. listen. I it's, don't know. I don't. I mean, it's listen, perfect. It's a perfect performance. Yeah, it really. It's one of honestly. It's one of his best he's ever given. Um, I, I, Dom, do you have any McConaughey thoughts? Because we've covered him a number of times. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the McConaissance is a pretty big uh, era of the decade. Like we've done uh, Wolf mm-hmm. of Wall Street. We've done Interstellar. We've done the Magic Mike uh first one you know and we've done mud um i don't know if you if oh, you have any right. thoughts yeah, yeah um you and know this is I coming think... at the tail end uh, sorry i just forgot to mention like this this is coming at the tail end of the decade clearly and mm-hmm. this is a pretty a rocky you know, decade i was just i was just gonna point that out that this is talk a about pretty, a roller coaster yes this is a pretty big gap in between when he wins the oscar uh, yeah. the the reconnaissance is coming to an end and this is the last performance he gives the of the decade i, I believe and it's one of his greatest um yeah. and, and in between this and Dallas buyers club like quay says it's it's rough horseshit you know, yeah it's rough uh yeah wait or when rather, is Dallas buyers rather, club when did he win the oscar i think i made it 2014 because 2014. because okay. i'm mixing up Dallas buyers club is 2013 and he wins the oscar in 2014 but uh interstellar is the next year and that's a pretty uh, so it's like five years, five, four years of pure garbage. Yes, yes. Yeah, but like True Detective, that's sort of like the last good thing he mm-hmm. does before the... the True Detective, period. same year as Interstellar, yep. Right, yeah. And uh, so I, I I really like him in True Detective, obviously. I really, mm-hmm. I I think he's phenomenal in Interstellar. I, I really... Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's, I think that he's giving a really... Uh, great performance maybe no um, one's best performance he's ever gotten maybe i would agree i think that he's really uh he's just yeah he's just kind of i mean he's playing a very McC- matthew mcconaughey character within mm-hmm. sort of the nolan un- universe and so it feels like he's just knows exactly what he should be doing there um and so i feel like my i like him i think he's a good actor but, you know, but I, there's a part of me that just feels like he's just, I don't know, just like a cornball. Like, that in real life, he... That's the issue. Seems to try so, too hard. Like, his Oscar speech is stupid, and... Uh, mm-hmm. He gets a lot of shit for that. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, what was like, his Oscar all, speech again? He's, he's just talking about, like, the art. It's like he obviously knew that he was going to win. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it feels so circle jerky and very rehearsed and he's like giving this speech about like if you have a dream go to chase it or what have you or like yeah like but i might have i'm but he's like or no like my mom told me this thing like he recounts to his childhood or something like that but it's pretty it's pretty cornball yeah um there's a few things about three things to my account that i need each day um, one of them is something to look up to, another is something to look forward to, and another is someone to chase. Now, first off, I want to thank God, because that's who I look up to. He's graced my life with opportunities that I know are not of my hand or any other human hand. Um, he has shown me that uh, it's a scientific fact that gratitude reciprocates. 
Um, in the words of the late Charlie Lawton, who said, when you got God, you got a friend, and that friend is you. Um, to my family, that's who and what I look forward to. To my father, who I know is up there right now, with a big pot of gumbo, he's got a lemon meringue pie over there, he's probably in his underwear, and he's got a cold can of Miller Lite, and he's dancing right now. <laughs> to you, Dad, you taught me what it means to be a man. To my mother, who's here tonight, who taught me and my two older brothers demanded that we respect ourselves. And what we in turn learned was then we were better able to respect others. Thank you for that, Mama. To my wife, Camilla, and my kids, Levi, Vita, and Mr. Stone, the courage and significance you give me every day I go out the door is unparalleled. You are the four people in my life that I want to make the most proud of me. Thank you. And to um, my hero, that's who I chase. Now, when I was 15 years old, I had a very important person in my life come to me and say, who's your hero? And I said, I don't know, I gotta think about that. Give me a couple of weeks. I come back two weeks later, this person comes up and says, who's your hero? I said, I thought about it. You know who it is? I said, it's me in 10 years. <laughs> so I turned 25, 10 years later. That same person comes to me and goes, so are you a hero? And I was like, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, because my hero is me at 35. So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never gonna be my hero. I'm not gonna attain that. I know I'm not, and that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us, whatever those things are, whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to, and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen. To that I say all right, all right, all right. Um, but yeah, so I, I really uh, like him a lot, but uh, I don't know. I also feel like he's got the potential for a lot of really bad performances in him. Uh, and maybe because of how perfect this performance is, it, it almost feels like this is it. Um, this is right. All, this where, is all of it. Where can you go? Um, yeah, I kind of hate the road he's going down now, as in his career and his public persona. Don't run for governor, <laughs> Matthew. I don't, yeah, yes. I don't even know if he's got that. Like, I don't even know if a lot of people still love him that much. You know, it mm -hmm. like feels like publicly he's not that doesn't have that star power anymore. Matt McConaughey, if you're listening to this, we have a message for you. You're better than Greg Abbott. I will give you that. I'll hand <laughs> that to you on a plate. Do not run for governor. We don't need you. Unless you know for a fact you can win. I, no, not even that. Yeah, he's and yeah, he's trying to get into this. He had that weird thing like during yeah, he's just been getting really into politics now and that's like his zone and like speaking and I mean there's some moments where you know he spoke at the White House after the Evalde shooting and you know it, there's mm -hmm. just he he I, I don't know what to make of him anymore. I don't think he knows what to make of himself anymore either. There's um, something he's not really an actor anymore. No. Right. Because all that he's, he's like done... a libertarian. He's like a famous right. libertarian, I guess. <laughs> he's a famous sometimes libertarian. Good politics, I guess. I don't know. He's a famous libertarian who happens to be in The Gentleman and Sing Too, which are the only things after the beach bum. Oh, right. I have seen him in those movies. He's not he's not bad in The Gentleman. It's just like he's barely trying. Which I mean, they're granted, there's a pandemic, you know, I get it, but right. it's like, what? So He's actually pretty good in the Sing movies, honestly. Oh, it's fun. 
Yeah. Like he he's playing very against type in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I I guess I like him when he's playing against type, even though this is like mm. exactly this is type, type. type type type. It's like so hyper type that it's almost Ooh. circling around to be an anti type. Uh, hyper type. <laughs> oh, I'm putting that in my back pocket. Holy shit! That's funny. Hyper type. Oh good. my god. I don't. I mean, would we go as Mega far type. to say? Would we go as far to say then, like, performance of the decade? Because, um, mm. like, you for know, Dallas. Yes, because, like, you know, for for Dallas and Magic Mike, that's such an impression on the movie. Mud in mud. That's you know, that's he's right. sort of the core of that. It's tough. But the amount but of shit that's, he did. It's crazy how he kind of gets out of that decade still like on the positive side. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. he has what Dark Tower, Fools oh Gold, Free know. State of Jones. These movies yes. don't exist. Sea and a lot of, of Trees is a big Serenity. Serenity. Oh, I've Serenity. seen I've White seen Boy Sea Rick. Of Trees. Yeah. White Boy Rick. Yeah. These movies don't exist. And so maybe technically he has more bad movies than he has, or more bad roles than he has good roles. But at the end of the day, it's like Mud, Magic Mike, True Detective. Wolf of Wall um, Street is like a very memorable. Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, Killer Joe, uh, Lincoln Lawyer. Beach and and, uh, and, uh, Beach Bum. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's a decade to hang your hat on. Yet he's that's still really rocky. It's a I very uneven decade, yeah. I'm trying to look up Sea of Trees because that's one that I <laughs> forgot about, but I honestly believe, okay, it's 2015, yeah, so it's right in yes. the horrible era. But it is it is one of those movies uh, that is um, so bad that it, it makes me doubt his taste in making the movie. Where oh, I don't think he has any. No, uh, no, he has no taste in what projects he chose. I, well, I that's, so that's, that's that. exactly why I'm kind of I'm reluctant to like be on his side is because yeah, I like Kingdom. Like, yeah, he choose he like yeah he chooses a lot of shitty roles and the Sea of Trees is so indicative of, of that that I think it's really soured him in my mind. That movie is so fucking bad. That's that's if like you, that's, that's like yes, Where did you fan. go? Yeah, if you get a script that's called White Boy Rick, decline it. You, <laughs> you don't want to be in that movie. No one wants you to be in that movie. I don't care if it's fantastic. White Boy Rick? No. I'm good. I think everyone's good. <laughs> no one wants to watch a movie called White Boy Rick. I, I the promise best, you. I swear. The best he's not White Boy Rick, right? He's like I, oh, a mentor God. to White Boy He's Rick. White Boy Dave. Yeah. yeah anyway. no, he's I, White I mean, the Man best, Dave. The best, <laughs> yeah. part, the best part about that is like your title of your movie has to be on the front of your script like stamped on there you see it like you don't hmm. have to like turn white boy rick. Like, a title puts right? on his He's like wait am glasses. i gonna play white boy rick hmm. <laughs> i love i love moondog's glasses in this that maybe is the perfect character choice because yeah. mm-hmm. it's that idea of the ones that yes. are flipped up <laughs> well well that but all but no like the, his little reading glasses he because it? oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like he's this crazy partier. He smokes all this weed. You know, he you know like he drinks. He fucks. He does all this degenerate shit. He steals money. And that, but at the end of the day, he's like, I need to put on my old glasses to read. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me get a little cozy for a second. Let me read this. Like, it's yeah. It's such a perf. Those are the moments where you're just like, God, everyone just fucking knew what they were doing here. Yeah. This is all yeah. pitch perfect. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really, it really, really is. Like the, the, it's 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 one of those great like late period uh, accumulation movies of of so many things. Like Harmony, post Spring Breakers knows what to what to add into 
the character details and just the visual language and mm-hmm. um you know the the way this movie sounds like i think harmony what keeps me lingering with him again is like just like the sensory details i know what every one of his movies smells like against my will <laughs> and i think a that's hilarious a hilarious thing to say but that's so yeah. factual mm-hmm. oh Do yeah any of them smell good that's my I mean, question this one's probably smells like really good weed right, right. Point, but I mean, when there's not like when well, I was going to say when no one's smoking weed, but then again, no one there. I mean, everyone's smoking. There's not yeah. a, only in the rehab and the court scene is when someone's not smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, are, are there any more, uh, you know, interesting careers to, to get into here? Because I feel I feel like, you know, like we've talked about Isla Fisher a few times. Mm. Um, Efron. We talked about we talked about Zach Efron with our. Do we, we did we talk about yeah. Zach? Uh, you know, he, when we were out in, in Joshua Tree recording, We Are Your Friends. Uh, oh, that's like, right. Yeah. We um, your friends. Yeah, you know, uh, but, you know, it's like he's, you know, he's just a good uh, puppy dog, golden retriever type. But this but this here. movie, like, it gives, like, it's one of those things where you kind of see the potential of what his career could be. Yeah. And you're kind of pissed. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Just, he makes yeah. such an impression. And, and I remember, um, like, that that haircut with like the it's you know the so shape it's incredible the and that bluetooth was of... uh fucking <laughs> ear 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 pod or whatever the, the karate like the, like, the, yeah. the jinko yeah. jeans the the vape it's all yeah, the vape yeah i was just gonna say it's great i the costume designer probably should have been maybe the second highest paid person on this <laughs> um my my impression of zach efron is similar to matthew mcconaughey where it's like he's in so many funny roles where he just seems to get exactly what's going on like uh however you feel about neighbors he's really funny yeah. in that movie and yeah, right. uh there it, and it seems like he for a, a time was really leaning into comedy in his career mm-hmm. and like trying to play that against his how good looking he is uh but then it feels like post like post beach bum you know he has clearly gotten some work done which like why that man needs to get plastic surgery mm. god knows he looks like a f- kind of a freak now and yeah uh and and you're just like why i thought like i thought you were in on this i thought you were in on the joke man now it mm-hmm. seems like you don't get it same with same with yeah. like uh like rob Lowe, somebody here mm. like i thought you got the joke but turns out maybe you don't like now yeah. it just seems like you're kind of a, a dope. Like I thought that was like people joke, who write movies yeah. for you are in on the joke and not you. Right. Uh, exactly. Which is unfortunate. It's and... disappointing. And I feel like maybe Matthew McConaughey is, is like, yeah, I, I, maybe that's, I'm putting words to that feeling is like, it feels like they're not really in on the joke, which is disappointing because this yeah. movie makes it seem like they're totally in on the joke. Totally. Um, and if there's any optimism for Zach Efron's career, like what does the Iron Claw this year look like? The new Sean Durkin movie. Uh, it's mm. like about the wrestling family, like the Von Erichs. There's that's that, it. but then like, he's like, he's now Peter Farley's guy. He loves Peter. Yes. This yeah. movie and then the next went movie. on the greatest beer run ever. Uh, oh, that's thing. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it looks yeah. like I think the plastic sold the plastic surgery has kind of died down. I think he mm-hmm. he's he I think he looks okay now. But yeah, I mean, those yeah those yeah. some of those pictures are really bad. Um, are you oh, just like well. I guess you kind of like did you get like a like you didn't like sir sir you are an attractive human being. What are you doing, sir? Leave your face alone, sir. 
Yeah. Some people just don't have anyone around them to tell them no sometimes, which is dangerous. But um... oh man, yeah, Zach Efron needs a, a more supportive posse. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you got Firestarter and the Greatest Beer Run at the same yeah. twenty twenty two, and then tough. yeah, that's then Gold, whatever that is, and it's like yeah, Beach Bum, man, it's like Beach Bum, then the Greatest Showman, mm. and then the Disaster, like it's just this very. Oh, that's right, he's a disaster artist. Yeah, and he's in Baywatch. It's been, it's been besides Beach Bum, it's been a while for your boy. Um, it's not looking great. I I hope he figures it out. He's gonna be in this a family affair thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm really okay. looking forward to Iron, Iron Claw though. Like that, I love Sean Durkin's movies. Mm. I don't Sean know who's gonna be in one. That's cool. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Jeremy Allen White's in it, and um, Lily James. Lily J. Uh, shoot, who Harris Dickinson I think is in it. If I'm not mistaken, but oh, wow. yes, and Holt yeah. and Holt McElhaney. One yeah. of our finest mm-hmm. character actors. Also, mm-hmm. The Miz. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a really, it's, it, it looks like a really interesting story. Looks yeah. Like. Or no, MJF. That's what his name is. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Same, same, whatever. They're all the same person. Wait, so um, The Miz is not in it? No, The Miz is not in it. Miz is way older than the guy I was thinking of. He just looks, he just looks like a copy. Um, Man, The Miz. Yeah. That's a crazy career. You start your career on the real world. <laughs> you become a professional wrestler. It's a professional wrestler, yeah. Made the most of it. Yeah, and, and he just played in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. He's, he's loving life. Wow. Um, God bless him. The universe seems to be, uh, seems uh, to be inspiring well, to make the Miz happy. This, the, watching the second time, it just kind of made me realize how uh-huh. everything is firing on all cylinders a thing i have said maybe a thousand different times in a thousand different contexts um but it is that like you said jack it's the which wait wait, what did you say um what the fuck did you say uh the encapsulation no the summation of everyone in the sense of corinne you know it's a reflection on corinne's career and mature you know maturing on his own Mm -hmm. uh tendencies and uh creative processes mcconaughey it's like sums up his entire connection to the public and his public persona and celebrity mm-hmm. snoop like continuing his career of saying yes to every single thing um but also just like committing you know to him being him but also he's doing acting in this movie like he is yeah. acting He's reading lines. He is, you know, his friendship with McConaughey seems so genuine and so, oh, yeah. um, and so lived in that it's, he definitely brings a presence to the film. And then, yeah, and then all you have all of these different, you know, these like, you know, the three main or the four main, like, kind of, uh, not cameos, but, you know, these supporting roles by these pretty big actors, Lawrence, Fisher, Efron, Hill, and mm-hmm. they're all playing, maybe besides Hill, a version that kind of encapsulates, again, their thing, their persona. Lawrence is the fumbling, funny man who, you know, has all these, like, weird quirks, but is also, like, really 
uh, charming and enjoyable to be around. Efron is this really intense kind of jock who you don't really trust because of just his the the vibes and how he's kind of set himself up in that way to be. I don't know. He is jock to his core, even if mm. he tries to play against that. Um, and then Fisher being the not ditzy but fun loving redhead who is up for anything, is free spirited. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The whole irony with Minnie is like there's she's the some, regular one. She's the regular one. There's that, and also some ambiguity. Uh, I, I think it's not it's unambiguous if she loves me, dog. But it's like no the ambiguity no, really of like. yeah. The, uh, but it's like if she, she's excusing the behavior and to what extent. Um, is she actually there for support or does she right. just love him in a momentary um, circumstance? Does she love the, does party? she love him as a person or the idea of him? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like everybody, but as like a, as like a wife, like that's, that's where we see her being like realistic when, uh, when she's talking to, um, to, Oh my gosh. What, who's the uh, Heather. Right. Um mm-hmm. A bit, like uh, I think his mom like gave him rum or something. What was the line? Like it makes yeah, him his, rum with his bottle. It makes him really rum with his bottle. Yeah, like he wore like, a diaper she, she's, till he was eight. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like she's realistic, but also it's like she's infatuated too. That's an interesting combo, and to play that in ten minutes is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else we'd like to add about the beach bum? Well. Or still here in sunny Key West, Florida, or uh, favorite scene. I'll 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 add real quick just to mention the cinematographer mm-hmm. uh, Ben yes. Benoit yeah. Debbie. Uh, he, I mean, it's it's not hard to to film a sunset and make it look pretty, mm-hmm. but right, just like I don't know, just the, the whole film just is so sumptuous mm-hmm. and so gorgeous and even when it's like he's Gaspar Noe's guy and you can kind of tell yeah. like the uh-huh. colors pop so well but just the idea of like saying that everyone is firing on all cylinders like the cinematography is gorgeous uh even it's very you know it all it's all very handheld and you feel uh and there's a lot of um uh uh I don't know what you call it like uh non-diet yeah it's non-diegetic sound where you know they're talking they're like hanging out and then you hear a different conversation uh, uh-huh. while you're watching something. Uh, and it's every, it's constantly moving. So even though not much is happening, you still f- feel very pulled in to these somewhat intimate moments. And then, you know, and the, the score, like I mentioned, is just so perfect for the tone that they're trying to set. I just think that every, yeah, every single bit of this film is just, just fits so snugly into just a whole vision that it's uh yeah it's hard to find something uh, wrong with it it's hard to find something wrong with it and hard to find something like this i think that's really Mm -hmm. amazing um before we get to favorite scene claiborne do you know who um harmony korean wrote this for before mcgonaghy which it's kind of which it's funny to think that there was any, I mean, this is like a pitch perfect match of a uh, actor and character, but like, 
on Wikipedia, it says another name and it's so crazy. You're kind of inclined to believe it. Okay. Is it another I'll, I'll, stoner? I'll give you a hint. It's another Oscar winner. Best actor is it an, Oscar winner. Is it of, another? Of the, an, of the decade. Like 20 Is it another? Oscar. Oh, Phoenix? Is it an best actor of the 2010s? Think winner. about a movie that's like non, I mean, non-existent. Like, oh, right. He won for that. Like. Birth? It's it's Gary Oldman. What? Oh. Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, whoa! He, I, he he watched True True Romance too many times and was like, you know, <laughs> that's the guy. Oh my god, I was never even remotely gonna guess Gary Oldman. Jesus, yeah. Birth Holy isn't shit. a bad guess though. Yeah, um, yeah. That, yeah. yeah wow. it's, we- it's weird. It's weird. What a horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> what a wow. t- I know. Yeah. I mean, Karen, I mean that was like a shitty idea. He tur- he, wow. He turned it down, but there was an interview. Whoa, was it was watching. that far ahead. Mm-hmm. And there's an interview where it's like, uh, Harmony, what, what made you uh, um, think of McConaughey for the, for the role of Moondog? And he laughs. He's like, are you kidding me? Why, <laughs> wouldn't, why would I think of anyone else? When lo, lo and behold, um, yeah. Another option. Is he one of those like weirdos like Pattinson who just makes shit up once in a while? Could be. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, so that feels like something that he was just like, I'm yeah. bored. I've done five interviews today. Let me just make some crazy shit up. It's yeah. the only I may, maybe you're right, because it's the only name that I saw that wasn't was like an alternate casting. Um I don't know what that movie looks like, but it's definitely good, worse. bad. Bad. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's very old in the you have to be like a you have to be a uh dyed in the cloth uh stoner in order to be Moondog. Mm-hmm. And is Gary Oldman? Does he partake? He's Winston again. Churchill. <laughs> again, you just have. I think he literally just. Wa- I think he got super blazed, watched True Romance, and was like, "Oh, <laughs> Oldman would be perfect." Yeah. yeah. The dreads. We can add the dreads to Moondog. Imagine that. Oh, Corinne would be for sure a guy who would be into yeah, the idea of the dreads. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, no, you have yeah. to. That's, yeah, that's great. It looks put, great. No, I don't no, know what no, you're no. talking about. Gary, put him on. Put him on. <laughs> Culturally insensitive. Who cares? Let's put him on. It'll be great. Yeah, we know imagine, you're okay with this, Gary. Don't pretend. Could you imagine he's, trying a, to he's okay with a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like explaining the white dreads to Gary Oldman. Um, I got to go let out Moxie, but you guys proceed with favorite scene. I'm just going to. So we end every podcast with our favorite scene of the motion picture that we have covered. Um. This is hard for me because it's one of those speak a little bit about the editing though. Um, It's so the editing almost makes the movie because it is so dreamlike and lucid at times. It's perfect. Again, it adds to the pleasantness of it all. It just feels so Mm -hmm. relaxing and laid back, even though it's, I don't know. And, and, and it does the montage is so beautifully with, especially at like the Pulitzer when he's thinking of, mini um so it's hard because there's there's it's very rare for there just to be a scene because it usually cuts pretty like close together um i got to say it's gonna be the and maybe this is more considered a sequence of Mm -hmm. 
the first real hangout with Snoop Dogg and McConaughey down in that weird ass basement and them just being high, talking nonsense and laughing <laughs> hysterically. There, because it's, I love how they're, the movie is still like these two people are very different. They have mm-hmm. two, like, yes, they're both stoners, but like, there's not, they don't have like a lot in common. There is no real cultural connection. There's no thing that like, oh, they both love cars or whatever. They both like drugs and fucking. That's really yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Moondog's <laughs> a big rap guy. Um, so it is I love how much road work they do in those little moments of them sharing a glance and then just giggling. Yeah. And those moments, like, you know, going into the like, big weed room and being like, you know, welcome to NASA, NASA, the NASA command center of Mary Jane and just like McConaughey looking astounded. And it's just it's all so funny and just really enjoyable to watch. You could watch like a three hour version of just uh-huh. them just hanging out. <laughs> it's like per- it's yeah. it's maybe the perfect hangout movie of the decade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, for me, it's like that sequence and many other sequences like it in the movie are like this idea, uh, Moondog um, uh, trying to like strongly consider what it means to live in the moment. That's like something that you'll hear a lot of people say, but he actually comprehends it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah. just gets how to be present. And it's like, that's uh, that's pretty admirable, if not you know other things prevent him from sometimes living in the moment but in that moment with uh with laundry it's like i think you achieved it <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like clay says it's like they don't have um common interest but what they do have is is a you know something Vibes. that's that's right there yeah that they just yeah and it's it's really well done um ray's been there i mean at your third birthday it was ray who brought the pony in, remember? And he blew out my candles. Exactly, well, he was stoned. What's happening down here, Captain? Just fuck with me one time, dog. You gonna love it. Slide in where you ride in, dog. What the fuck? <laughs> welcome to the NASA Command Center, Mary J. This shit only grows in an isolated pond in Jamaica. It sprouts out of a pink fluorescent moss patch. This weed here is so good it can make a motherfucker yearn for the afterlife. It can send you to the outer limits of humanity. That's the keys and the trees to my success. Because once a year, I fly to Jamaica, do a concert at a big old park, bribe the governor. They turn their cheek this way, and we fly off that way. Get down. Mm-hmm. Dom, if you'd like to think longer about your favorite scene, I can I can go ahead with mine. Oh, I I, I got mine. I'll, okay. uh, yeah. I think um, the just and there's just something really I think special about the scene with uh, well the first scene where uh, with Jonah Hill. There's only like three scenes I think with Jonah Hill, and they're all at the mm-hmm. golf course. But um, where they're 
I love that they're golfing. It's so funny. they're well, they're golfing, and then the the first time you see them golf, they're putting, and they're yeah. so fucking bad at putting they're like they just completely miss every shot and they're not even paying attention to how bad they are at golfing so it's this like little tidy joke in the background of them talking is uh, that i just think is so fucking funny and the the whole uh dynamic between moondog and lewis i think is 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 really hilarious and uh i wouldn't be surprised if that was all i mean i i don't know to what extent this movie is improvised because it's Right. I was wondering that, too. It's like it could literally all be improvised or none of it. Right. Exactly. Because it feels the there are so many lines that feel so specific, but also at the same time kind of just cast off. Uh, but I really just loved uh, I, I just think that Jonah Hill is so funny in this movie. And uh, whenever <laughs> the part where he tells uh so I guess my favorite scene is just to put all of Jonah Hill's scenes put together. But uh, uh, when he's telling <laughs> Moondog that he's nominated for the Pulitzer and they're like almost like ready to like kiss each other. And, I know they're so and, close. And he's like, uh, he's like you're nominated for the, for the Pulitzer. Pulitzer. And, and Moondog goes, Pulitzer? And then Jonah Hill goes, Pulitzer. And I is this so... melted ass ice cream that's maybe yeah. the thing that annoys me most in movies when people are <laughs> taking or not being fast enough with their ice cream and it's melting all over i'm like just come on focus there's something so absurd yeah there's just something so yeah exactly yeah and there's also something very inherently sexy about ice cream i guess but something so absolutely something so uh absurdly sexy about those scenes where uh that just yeah they just feel incredibly unique but but so on point to exactly what whatever this tone is that they're hitting they're just nailing it in those scenes yeah absolutely um it's yeah the because it's it's you know that that relationship is like partially unexplored too it's like what how do they meet like like that's that's one of the few where it's like they're they're pre-existing, you know, it's like they're pre-existing and oh right, like, you know, like where did you come from? Sort of yeah, he's like, like Hill's like a Colonel Sanders impersonator or something <laughs> where you're just well, like, also what? there's like this this implication that uh Moon that Heather doesn't like Lewis because she he walked in on her when she was dressing sometime. Mm-hmm. And there's so there's like this like this kind of like gross, sleazy bent to it, too. Yeah. That you're like, oh, okay, you know. Harmony I love how that these guys suck. I love how McConaughey is like, uh, you know, like Hill's like, you know, I, it was, you know, I, I, it was by accident, and McConaughey almost instantly is like, well, they, you know, she said you were there for a few more seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let's be realistic about this. But um, then he's like, and then, but then McConaughey is like, or Moon Dog is like, but you know, whatever, man, whatever floats your boat. And yeah. in that moment, you're like. That's not the response that a no have. So you should beat the shit out of him. That's like yeah, that's like, the thing, dog. Not whatever floats your boat. That's not the right answer. Here. <laughs> um, you know, one of my favorite. I know. I know. Just to go back to the script real fast. Like I know. I wish I had this written down, but it's like they had um, ideas for scenes, but then the characterizations and. And some of the lines, Harmony Ukraine would be like, yeah, you know, just like, we'll figure it out on the, on the day. But yeah, here's the actual, vibe, like, say whatever you like want, the situations right. are actual, uh, I think those were in the script more than 
the dialogue was, but I don't, I wouldn't go as far to say like most of the dialogue was scripted, but just rather like bits that sounded good were kept in. And another one of my favorite facts that I saw was that um, would it surprise anyone here, anyone that's listening even, that um, Zac Efron's hair was inspired by a panini that uh, <laughs> that Harmony Korean had, which yeah, it's just like, you know, two and two equals four, right? Um, exactly. That's beautiful. Hot. You know, it breaks my heart, Moondog. It breaks my heart because you a motherfucking has-been, boy. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that is. Is that a bad thing? Goddamn, it's a bad thing, Moondog. As your forever agent, I feel obliged to be truthful with you at all times. Uh, you're a shitty agent. It's sad, Moondog. You used to be a motherfucking ATM for me, boy. You have pissed away your talent on women and booze and total excess. Now you're talking. Yeah, all those things, that's what feeds the juices up here in my nugget, man. Through my loins, up the Autobahn, my spirit and mind, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm moist right now. I'm lubricated. Yeah, but you the fastest horse in my stable, boy. You think I want to take a motherfucking shotgun, put it in your mouth, blow your brains all over my nice motherfucking clothes? That's the fucking Lewis I'm talking about. You think I want to do that? You was a revolutionary rider. You were a radical. Your words meant something to people. Either way, it's a good thing I'm rich, Lewis. Especially since I'm well hung. You ain't rich, Moondog. Your wife's rich. That's true. And it's been a while since I had you in there, but you ain't well hung, boy. <laughs> you ain't yeah, well hung. Get in there now. I Go mean, goddamn. San Francisco standoff, baby. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I read in the Pelicans today, Heather's getting married. It's a big day. Well, this afternoon, handed her off. Well, congratulations. And you know what? I worked through it. And I'm not even upset even a little bit that I was not included in the ceremonies. Oh, you thought you'd be included? No, well, I, I, like I said, I, I'm busy anyway. So, like I said, I'm, I'm not offended. And, and I just want to be clear, this doesn't have to do uh, <clears throat> with the incident a few years back. Oh, when you walked in on her so that... I didn't know she was changing. She said you stayed a little longer than a few seconds. Well... <laughs> I used to mix signals back then. It was a it, it was a confusing time. I would misread things often. Whatever uh, raises your skirt, man, it never bothered me. Well, I'm busy regardless, so I I could not attend even if you, <clears throat> if people had a change of heart. I I'm 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 have other obligations. So. Sweet ass, man. Yeah. Hey, here's your ball, man. Let's knock this fucker back yeah. in the fair and get a good line. And that leads me to my favorite scene, which I also had a hard time finding. A favorite one not only is every scene like better than the last but mm. it's hard because it's like they're not really scenes that's part of like the interesting like editing techniques that you'll have sometimes where it's like it's kind of hallucinatory um but the entire the entire sequence with flicker is just amazing it really feels like you're having the best night ever with someone <laughs> that you just met like that yeah. emotion flicker do that thing you do with your hands yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Right. I great. love how much I love the Moondog I love the arson talk. Like he's so enthused right. about burning shit down. I love how Moondog legitimately loves what people do. You mm. know, he's like he can uh, those pleasures. Like he's not like condescending or whatever. He's just like he just loves people. He's like do that thing again. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, especially <laughs> with um what toothless Phil or whatever the fuck. Do that thing to see if you can make my daughter laugh. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> and he generally finds that funny because he's just into other people's shit. He loves the weirdness of others, and I think that is that's another reason why this movie. When I think of it, I describe it as sweet 
and which is bizarre given the context of what actually happens That's in the fucking sweet. movie. Yeah, it's a exactly. sweet movie. It makes me it like is. really happy. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it makes us happy, which is a successful film, successful, successful love, piece of art. I love that scene where he comes into the wedding and he pushes this woman <laughs> up a wheelchair, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "There you go, mom." And he goes to his daughter, he's like, I'm "That's not my mom." mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then at one point, he's like, all right, let me make the speech. And all right, as a family tradition, like grabs the dude's junk and it's like, okay. And he goes, oh, about, about five inches flaccid, not bad. Okay. It's so <laughs> It kills funny. me. It kills me. Um... My dad's a preacher. He's the one that fucking put me in here. Why? Because he caught me huffing paint a few times. Also, I was breaking into people's houses and just burning shit. You know? <laughs> like nothing real bad. I love lighting shit on fire. I'm a tiger, bro. It wasn't dangerous, man. Yeah. Nobody was home. Yeah. We didn't find out the kids were upstairs until later, and if I wasn't there, they would have fucking burned to death. I got them out. From the second floor? Yeah. Not a ladder and shit? Yeah, no, no, I just went upstairs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Jesus, and we just ride him all the way to the top. Because the best part is we can do whatever the fuck we want. Jesus already paid for all our sins. Hey, who does? Kiss me, thank you. Hey, fuck you, pal. <laughs> who does? Hey, do that flick thing you do. <laughs> ah! Yeah, do it again, do it again. Damn it, you're a fucking genius. I don't know where we can get some money. Where? Just follow me, my friend. Cool. Yeah. 
fine. We just need this money. It's part of this derelict behavior. Derelict behavior? What are you talking about? Hey, I already paid for all our fucking money. Come on, man. Come on, man. Unmitigated adoration. <laughs> hey, that was fucking beautiful. Mm. Yeah, all right. There she is, shining on you, man. I'm no, out of here, you. Flick. I mean you. We're all the same. I mean, we got hugs, man. Yeah, I'm out of here. You leaving? Sad and stale, but yeah. Hey, that was the most fun I had in a long time. Mm. Fuck yeah. For real, though. <laughs> For real, though. You got God on your shoulder, man. Oh, man. Ain't that far down. I see don't look, right? Hey, just promise me one thing. Mm -hmm. Remember me. Every time you think of my face, you remember this. This shines bright. Fucking real bright. You got it, Tiger. Go spread that light. Shine big, brother. I can see her lying back in her satin dress In a room where you do what you don't confess Someday when you better take care If I find you, then creeping right Yeah, Dom Sinico, thank you so much for being here. Uh, the, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Delight to have you. Um, open invite, just like Bill Hader, uh, the door's open for you. Bill, if you're listening to this, um, you know, message at Birds of Clay and we'll get you suited out. <laughs> um, no, but please, if you have anything that is, um, you know, coming out soon or on the horizon oh. of that's, that's going to be, you know, of like some of your work. Yeah. Please just like, or just for people thing. can find you. Yeah. 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 Um, I, most of my writing is at Paste, uh, where I used to be an editor and now I'm just contributing. Uh, uh, so you can find a lot of my work there. Um, I'm on Twitter at Cinecolad, S-I-N-A-C-O-L-A-D. And I just started a new Substack. Speaking of the the reemergence of blogs. Yeah. Uh, I and the great, a, the great American novel. You're, yeah, exactly. The written Hopefully word. We'll create yeah. that over the course of my many blog posts. But I, I, I write a blog about the movies of Werner Herzog. It's called the Werner Hertz blog. Uh, so... <laughs> I just go uh, movie by movie. I started at the beginning. Um, I was trying to make it weekly, but I have a full-time job where I write. And so it's very hard to write all day and then go home and try to write uh, something well-researched. Uh, I blow my brains out. 
I'd blow yeah. my brains out. I can't write that much in a day. <laughs> I, I, it's hard, but it's uh, it's it, it brings me joy. I'm I have a good job, and I'm I'm glad. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I I, I update it when I can. Uh, but it's a it's a passion project. So it's very exciting. You, no, you want to join you. me on the through the the filmography of Werner Herzog? Have you written by uh, about um? I was gonna. I'm gonna say Aguirre. I know that's not how it's pronounced. Oh, Aguirre. Uh, but Aguirre. Aguirre. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, not that yet. yet. Um, okay, that's okay, coming okay. up soon. I uh, I'm intimidated to write about it because it is. Yeah. Oh, it's what insane. I usually would call yeah. my favorite movie. So. A, a Goliath of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I really try to do a lot of. I'm not an academic person, uh, but I really try to do a lot of research. Uh, so. <laughs> It takes me some time between. And there's a lot of research for that one. There is. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that has some of the most, like, if you talk about like stories, that movie has so many stories. Oh, exactly. And I mean, it's, 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 it's there. What's what I love about Werner Herzog, which I'm discovering as I'm going in order, is that he's a very consistent artist in that like he tells a lot of the same stories and they don't really change uh they're very good stories but like and all of his viewpoints and a lot of his philosophies are very consistent and so uh, you can kind of do you can find a lot of sources where that sort of uh can pertain to whatever movie you're writing about because he's constantly talking about a lot of the same stuff over and over and over so you know like i just recently wrote about uh, even dwarfs started small mm-hmm. and then you know which is connected to uh all the stuff that he does with harmony corinne uh mm-hmm. he talks a lot about uh his relationship with his editor which has uh you know and apparently even dwarf started small is the only movie of his that she actually likes and so the, it just feels like every time i'm ready to write about a movie i find a new source of uh, research that I need to go down, uh, which takes more time before the next blog post comes out. But that's a lot of the the fun of writing this is getting that deep into uh, a, a director like this. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. fabulous. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jack A Draper. Um, my letterbox is the same. Uh, this movie is now available on HBO Max mm-hmm. or. Uh, you know, the company that's paying clay. Um, and <laughs> we have our next episode on long shot with the return guests, Leah Carlson Downey. Very exciting. Cool. Um, and yeah, I also write for the Boston hustle. Speaking of Rogan, that's who I was going to guess before you gave me the Oscar hint that the, I was, gonna say I was just thinking of stoners, right? Like yeah. who, who else would be, but that's right. a different movie and probably not as good. Definitely not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Rogan. Uh, everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at exiting32010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, give us a review, retweet us, share us with a friend, run on the street, pass if someone in the gas joint. Yes, absolutely. Share the no, pod actually, no, no. No, I don't want Florida trash listening to this. No, thank you. Just to um, stick stick with the bit. I'm just trying to. No, say. no, no. Well, this is my bit. I hate Florida Floridians. Um, okay. No, that's insulting. I, I I am the second most famous 
uh, poet in Key West. I already mentioned I that. So this is insane. Oh, I know that was hey. my big that was my big concern when we yeah. have you on is like he is, you know, he has ties to Key West. And I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> Connections. Yeah. Um, yeah. Run up to someone on the street, pass them a, a hilarious sized joint and say, hey, go listen to exiting through the 2010s and then run away. Um, yeah. Be good to yourself. Stay safe. Have have some laughs, smoke some weed, drink some alcohol of some kind. Right. Yeah. Happy 420, buddy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And live that beach, beach bum life. And we'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.